Ladies and gentlemen, jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this edition of the Hagman Report. I'm Doug Hagman, together with Joe Hagman, something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team, broadcasting proudly on the Global Star Radio Network, as well as BTR, the fine folks there at Blog Talk Radio, and, of course, YouTube Live. Three platforms, three, one show, three platforms. Uh, I want to welcome everyone to this edition. Of course, we broadcast weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, again, right here on the Global Star Radio Network, as well as BTR and YouTube Live. A lot of stuff to get into tonight. Uh, folks go to, for show prep, informationhagmanreport.com. There you'll find the schedule for tonight as well. Tonight, the first hour, we're going to be going over some very interesting, very important news items. Second hour, we're going to be talking with um, investigative journalist Lexi Bess, uh, covering a lot of information, a lot of current events. And, of course, the third hour, William Ramsey is going to be joining us as well. Couple of, uh, a couple of items that we're going to be discussing the first hour and even into the second and third hours, but very important, of course. The news of the day, you can't escape it, is the NFL stuff and the, and the um, uh, take a knee, take it to the groin, basically. Um, this, and I contend this, this is going to be my opening, kind of my opening monologue, if you will. I spoke about this in my morning show, and I really believe that, that people need to understand exactly what's taking place here. This is not, um, it's not, not, this is not what you think it is. This is not what you think it is. Just as the protesters who are, who protested the, uh, the hearings on the, uh, Obamacare bill today have no idea, and I, and I, this is my assertion. I've got, I, I truly believe they have no idea what they're protesting, what the intricacies of this bill, this new bill, uh, this, uh, the, the Graham bill is all about. And I would say that the protesters from the NFL, some 200 players, really have no idea the core, what's at the epicenter of their protests. Now, as I mentioned on my earlier, or my, my morning show, uh, my, my personal Twitter account is at Hagman PI. And the reason I bring this up, I, I sent a uh, tweet out yesterday. And it was, a, it was a simple picture with, a, with my caption, enough said. And it was a picture cut into four panels, four squares. And the top left was a woman crying over, over a flag grape coffin casket. The top right was a military veteran in a wheelchair unable to stand. The um, the whole issue was about respect. And the bottom, uh, the lower left, was a, a photograph of a headstone from the Civil War. And then, of course, the, uh, the, the, the money captions, of course, were on the bottom right. And it's on your screen if you're watching this YouTube, uh, via YouTube. Um, was that where they uh, flipped the, off the? No, no. The, the the first the the first panel was this is this is why you don't step on the flag and and behind that the wording. Now this is not my graphic. 
I couldn't find who to attribute the graphic to, but whoever did this did a fine job. The woman crying over casket, this is why you don't step on the flag. And then, of course, the man in the wheelchair, this is why you stand for the national anthem. The bottom lower left, this is why we don't erase history. And then the culminating panel is, uh, you're not black, you're not white, yellow, or brown, you're an American, start acting like it. Now, the reason I bring this up is I sent this out on my Twitter account at Hagman PI. And it was fine. It got retweeted numerous times, and there were some responses. One response bothered me in particular. I'm not going to. I'm not picking on this individual. I am upset with the sentiment behind it, because this individual sent a tweet back saying, essentially, that um, we are not to uh, we are not to make idols. You know, Jesus is is uh, the only one I worship, or basic basically, Jesus that. is the only only uh, one person I worship, or only. Was that an email or a Twitter? It, it, response? it was a Twitter response. Okay. But, but but here's the thing. Here's the thing. There, there was not a damn thing said in that in that. There's nothing about worshiping the American flag. There's nothing about worshiping the country. There's nothing. There, there, it has nothing to do with worship. And I believe, sincerely believe. That this is the major problem of of evangelical Christians in this country. Mm-hmm. Stop acting like you're morons, no, because no. you are morons. All right, because there's nothing about idol worship here. It's not idolatry. What this is is simple respect. Okay, you have to understand this, and, and it really it really angers me to hear these evangelical Christians talking about talking like this, saying, "Well, this is." This is idol worship. No, it's not. It's respect. It's respect for your flag. It's respect for your country. There's not idolatry here. There's not worship here. It's respect. And many of these same people are Catholics who pray to Mary. It it doesn't matter. Evangelicals, it doesn't matter. Look, here's the thing. This is going to backfire. But but, but here's here's the issue behind it. This is... Obama's legacy. This is Hillary Clinton's legacy. This is the legacy of Bernie Sanders. This is a legacy of Pelosi and Schumer and all of these morons, these globalists, these everybody involved in this. This they own this. And and I want people to understand. Now, am I angry? You know what I'm most angry about? I'm not angry about the overpaid. Um, Morons who play the, who play the game, and, and to, to make a political statement to politicize the NFL. The NFL it, it died this year. They're just waiting to be buried. And if every and it bothers me too that mo, there are a lot of Christian men out there who know the various statistics of every freaking NFL player or MLB player, but they've got they don't have a clue. If you ask them to name one constitutional amendment, they don't have a clue. They'll look at you like you're, you're, you know, you got two heads. Okay, you've got uh, uh, this, uh, and this bothers me a lot. But it bothers me as it, as it envelops the evangelical Christian community, because the very people who accuse me, or, or accuse the president of of some idolatrous tort. Okay, or, or, or the very same people who sit on their rumps, on their couches, and, and don't do a damn thing except criticize. 
and and the, the very same people who come after me, who come after Steve Quayle, who come after Pastor Langford. That's the mentality that we are fighting. And if we keep fighting in this fashion, we are going to lose. If if you, not you, the audience, but if you, the individuals out there, who believe that that uh, standing for the national anthem is idolatry as opposed to respect, learn the difference. Get a dictionary. Learn the difference. Now it angers me because this is why we are going to lose if we keep this up. And the the people who continue. If you are against what you see on the field by the players, by the team owners, by the coaches, by these morons out there, these idiots out there, these overpaid morons, it's a game. We don't care what you think. Keep your political views to yourself. Your political views are no more valuable than mine. Just because you get 20 gazillion dollars to get smacked around on a football field, I don't care. In fact, you're overpaid idiots. And shut your claptrap. You got hit in the head one too many times. But, but, but I'll tell you something, alright? We need to get together as a community. This, the, this, this is Obama's legacy. The the underlying current here. Remember when Obama came into office in 2008, the media wouldn't touch his allegiance. It wouldn't touch his background. It wouldn't touch. It, they would not vet Barack Hussein Obama. But they pumped up cars for clunkers. Yes. It is all about Obama being selected in the implementation of socialism. That, that's what this is all about. It's the implementation of, of this socialism as a stopping point or a stepping stone for communism. Globalist, globalism under a communist dictatorship, essentially. This is what this is all about. And we are seeing the manifestations of the eight years of Barack Hussein Obama with the senatorial uh, run of Hillary Clinton and the leadership, the spineless jellyfish leadership of the G- GOPE, the establishment Republicans. This is what we're seeing today. This is the reason. They are the reason. The indoctrination as well. Three books. Utopian Road to Hell. Uh, Crushing the Collective. And the third book by David Capellian, um, The Snapping of the American Mind. Explains everything. All available, by the way, at WND Superstore. Use promo code HAGMAN. You get those three books, you read those three books. And you, you, you combine the information together and you will see exactly what I'm talking about. Because we are seeing this manifest right now. Right now we're seeing the, the result of decades long of, of, decades long of, of, uh, socialism being crammed down our throat, the indoctrination of our children, the, uh, taking of, of the, protesters, the uh, the William Ayers and Bernadine Dorns from the 60s, the protesters and putting them in positions of power in, in today's universities. This is what we're seeing. This is the result of of that. 
we're seeing this, and the brainwashing of the masses of the American people and the people of the West. It's interesting how this started in the UK and worked its way over to the over to the United States. Two hundred, uh, roughly two hundred. Uh, this morning, I, I think I quoted one hundred and forty. But the bottom line is, this is all about, um, and and this is a backdoor attack against Donald Trump. And don't tell me, uh, again, uh, this is not, I. Uh, you know, putting Donald Trump on a pedestal. This, the, the agenda of Donald Trump, if you heard him speak at the United Nations last week, and, and this I mentioned. Oh, the dark, uh, uh, you know, well, yeah, but, totalitarian dark speech. Yeah, but, but, but I, I, I mentioned this in my show this morning, and I, I want to make sure I got this quote right. Um, actually, uh, you know what? Basically what he said was, Venezuela, it is not an image. Of failed socialism, right? Venezuela is socialism that that, that is that is working, yeah. that is implemented perfectly. That's correct. So, I, w- I want everyone to understand what we're seeing here, and and the bottom line with this, the bottom line with this, is Van Jones called the election white lash. What so we're seeing right. is whiplash. This is what we're seeing today: is whiplash, cultural and moral whiplash. When you write a wrong, suddenly you get whiplash. So we're seeing cultural and moral whiplash to right the wrongs that have been done under eight years of socialism, Islamic contamination of our Judeo-Christian country, rending the moral fabric of this country. That is what we're seeing. And to those people out there who are listening to this program, and, and, and you go to these football games and Baseball games were, were these these so-called uh, uh, pat- or these so-called freedom-loving people. Now, I have no problem with protests because protests are are very much needed, and I will not silence anyone. However, there is a stopping point. Yeah, riots okay. and protests are completely. That's right. Thing. That's right. However, the, um, the, 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 the yeah yeah they're different. But this is again, this is not about idolatry. No. I also want to weigh in too before we get before we uh, uh, cut loose on the actual program. I also want to weigh in on the uh, health care bill. Look, look, right now it, it does not appear that the uh, Graham health care bill is going to is going to pass. And you had protesters filing into the office building or the hearing room where the um, health bill was being discussed, and it the. And I'm going to be talking about this on my show tomorrow morning in detail because you need to understand what's happening here as well. Out of all the news, I mean, you've got North Korea news, you've got Iran news, you've got geopolitical, you've got political, you've got the uh, Mueller probe, you've got all of these items that are that are economic. Yeah, everything. But but the bottom line is these are all forcing right now. These are all everything we're seeing right now is to is designed to take Donald Trump out of the office, take the president out of the office and take the presidency out of um, out of our country and you have to understand where this is going they want to socialize this country and i've got one eye looking at, at mike pence i don't say what you will about mike pence but i got one eye on him uh because there's something radically wrong there's a coup going on within our within the oval office within the west wing within the white house within the government within the military there's a coup taking place but to grab a third 
of our economy, of the American economy. They're attempting to do this through the health care bill. Obama did this through, the, through Obamacare. Obama, Pelosi, all the usual suspects. Now listen to this carefully. Okay, what is going to happen? And, and I believe this to be the case. You've got until uh, this, uh, September 28th. You've got about three days, four days, three days. This bill has to be passed by September 28th, or what's going to happen, or it's not going to be passed because you've got, you've got the um, you've got the issue of the tax. It's tied very closely to the uh, uh, to the uh, tax bill. All right, the uh, budget budget tax bill. But uh, Betsy McCowie or Betsy McCoy, I suppose I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, appeared on um, um, Neil Cavuto. Now, this bill that's before the committee would have protected uh, those with pre- pre-existing conditions. And I'll bet you, you ask any of those people in the wheelchairs who are nothing but stooges for the people. I mean, they were props. And, and, and you know, if if I had a family member in a wheelchair that was wheeled in or wheeled themselves into that room to debate the health care, or the healthcare debate, knowing that they were being used as props, that would really anger me as well. But some of these people have no idea what they're protesting, what it's all about. You ask them, you get a blank look. Uh, 76% don't know what even one of the tenets of the First Amendment guarantee. Well, but we're talking about healthcare, though. Oh, I know. I'm just saying in general the knowledge of the, the American people when it comes to issues of, of government. Okay. The, there, what's going to happen is this bill will not pass. The next step there, you're going to have 12 million Americans, the middle class, that's you and I, barely, but you and I, who will end up with, if you don't have it already, you're going to end up with your health care bill being the size of your mortgage payment or greater. There will not be any subsidies. Currently, it, everything is, is well, currently Obamacare is imploding. And, and you might think, well, it, Obamacare is the greatest godsend since sliced bread. Obamacare will, it was not meant to survive. And it's going to morph into a single-payer health care system. That's the objective here. Eventually, we are going to have a communist-style health care Bill, thanks in part to the Republicans, all this bill would have would have done would have slowed the rise of the uninsured middle class. It would have, as well, uh, slowed the rise by by four and a half percent to twenty twenty six. By the way, as Peter Chalker uh, said, yeah. this is what would happen. Right. The um, the uh, uh, <laughs> Paul Krugman from the New York Times called this bill cruel beyond belief. You talk about fake news, that's fake news. The federal government right now, for um, for more than... No, the federal government right now pays far more into... Um, you know what, I'm not going to get into this. I'm not going to get into the particulars of this, only because... This, I, I'm sure a lot of people will be lost in the minutiae of this. Suffice it to say this. This bill would have protected 
people with pre-existing conditions. It would have taken the money out of the uh, the participants of Obamacare and spread it among the different states. It would have made it would have made the whole system a lot more fair. Because, for example, you've got state block grants associated with this health care bill, and it would have evened that that out. Um, Wasn't so, that two states uh, consuming fifty percent of the cost? No, it, that wasn't well, judged no. today. Well, but that's yeah. Again, my reference is, for example, you've got Mississippi. The average person down there gets four hundred dollars. Uh, for example, four hundred dollars subsidy, whereas in Massachusetts they get ten thousand dollars. Okay, it's it's unfair. This would have evened that out, and that's a very simplistic, extremely simplistic approach to it. More on that as time goes on, but you're going to see this tank. You're going to see uh, Obamacare, Obamacare uh, tank as it stands. And I believe I believe one thing should be done, and only one thing. Repeal the entire bill. Repeal it all. Kill Obama's legacy flat out. Kill it. And remember, while Obama was president during his second term, six, 67 times the Senate brought bills forth to replace and repeal Obamacare knowing the president would not sign that bill. Now that we have a president in the office willing to sign the bill, zero. Not only that, when they work together together as a consensus, you have people like John McCain and a few other obstructionists come in and say, not going to do it. Doesn't matter how much it helps, not going to do it. Much more at play than just just the uh, politics involved. Well, you've got Senator Susan McCollins of Maine said uh, she's going to oppose the latest plan. You've got Rand Paul. You've got uh, 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 Ted Cruz and uh, John McCain. Did I say John McCain? John McCain, Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, Senator Susan Collins, a, uh, an undocumented Democrat in my view. But, but you need 50, uh, uh, you need 50 votes. It's, that's not going to happen. So, that's and this is important because and again, I would I would urge everyone to go back and listen to Peter Barry Chalka talking about the socialism aspects of Obamacare. Their goal, the establishment Republicans as well as the progressive left, their goal is a single payer system, which will that will be the final, as Peter to quote Peter Barry Chalka, the final nail in the coffin for this country. Okay, moving along, I want to mention this, and, and this is something that I'm keeping my eye on specifically. Anthony Weiner has been sentenced to 21 months in prison for sexting with a minor. He was sentenced to 20 months in 21 months in prison today for sexting with a 15-year-old high school student. Now, how depraved, morally, sexually, spiritually depraved do you have to be? Anthony Weiner what a shame, what a piece of, uh, you know, in my view anyway, Anthony Weiner, he's, he's not only a criminal, he's a pervert, and he needs to register as a sex offender. He's a former Democratic congressman from New York, of course. He's the husband of, of Huma Abedin. A federal judge in Manhattan sentenced him today. He also sentenced Weiner to three years of supervised release after he serves prison and fined him $10,000. Do we know how? Huma be- must be so proud. Now, he must surrender to prison by November 6th, and according to AP, Weiner held his head, uh, his, he cried. He cried. Yeah, it's amazing how you cry he crocodile tears. Yeah. Now, this is a serious crime that deserves extremely serious punishment, punishment Denise uh, Cody said during the sentencing. 
Wiener's 53 years old. He pleaded one, um, he pleaded guilty and made a one count of transferring obscene material to a minor. Uh, Wiener sent a 15 year old girl uh, from North Carolina obscene messages, including adult pornography. And of course, uh, during several conversations, online video chat messaging platforms last year, he did all this at that time. He was convinced the teenager, he convinced, by the way, the teenager to take off her clothes, uh, for him via Skype, despite her telling Wiener that she was in high school. So he knew exactly what he was doing. And this, this takedown here, this could have been a lot worse and should have been a lot worse in my view. This is tied to the, and don't forget, uh, by the way, the federal prosecutors asked the judge to sentence Wiener to just over two years in prison, but the former congressman asked for probation. The hubris of this guy. Um, so in a the, statement in May, Wiener said his sexting was part of a sickness. And of course he went, you know, to that, to that, uh, uh, pony ranch to, to get unsick. Well, the guy's still sick. All right. He's got a history of sending lewd, f- uh, photos, uh, to, uh, and images to women and his indiscretions ultimately led him to resign from Congress back in 2011. His actions ultimately led his wife, Huma Abedin, to file for divorce in May. She served as, as one of Hillary's closest aides, kind of like the daughter she never had. But, it was during the uh, FBI's probe into Wiener's conduct, agents discovered the Abedin emails, and uh, about that to to kind of segue into the human Abedin emails. If you watch the latest videos from Judicial Watch, and I would urge everyone to do so, understand this: it is the Sessions Ju- uh, Department of Justice, the Department of Justice under Jeff Sessions, who are not cooperating with the FOIA request, the FOIA request, as well as the um, necessitating them to file uh, uh, file in court, and they're the documents that, that are uh, coming from the Huma Abedin emails, from the Hillary Clinton emails, are being redacted, and those that aren't being redacted are scheduled to be released over a three-year period, which is just totally obscene. And Might I'm going to be doing a, a, a you know I'm going to be doing a uh, special on this uh, because I, you've got to understand. What these emails represent, the um, these emails represent uh, a number of things, including but not limited to selling, in part and parcel, national security secrets to our enemies. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman Report. Going to be right back. Stay right where you're at. Network break. Three minutes. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. 
Kirkus Review states, Readers of end times fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Wink Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. Uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back to this edition of the Hagman Report. I got to tell you, there's so much going on right now. There's so many things taking place. It's hard to keep up. But in the front and center of all of this, of course, you've got the healthcare. It's being um, it's being hidden by the optics of the NFL. You know what's going on there, okay? Again, the NFL is the uh, the the protest with the players. This began about race. Now it's about the, a, a deeper ideology than. Uh, um, than what is being reflected by the corporate media, and I like to quote uh, Greg Jackson. You know, the corporate media will give this a, a give this an inch deep and a mile wide coverage, but not get to the depth that is necessary to understand what is taking place. What is taking place here is the institutional uh, implementation of socialism, and it is the whiplash that we're seeing with Donald Trump in office. You had a decade, um, an entire decade, right now. Uh, or the last decade, I should say, plus of this Obama mentality, this, this socialist mentality, the Cass Sunsteins, the Van Jones, the Valerie Jarrett's, the, even to the, uh, greater extent, but more muted Hillary Clinton. You had all of this it's, for the last decade. And we are pushing this, or we have been pushing this onto the American people. I am surprised by the number of people 
frankly, who have been so supportive of Bernie Sanders, the so-called libertarian or independents, who say, well, Bernie Sanders got a raw deal. Yes, he did. But thank God, to, to, a, to at least to a minimal extent, that he got a raw deal. The fact of the matter is, Bernie Sanders is an avowed socialist. If you look at the uh, 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 CPC, the Congressional uh, Progressive Caucus, the 71 members of that Congressional Caucus uh, who are in the who are lawmakers. Well, actually, 69 of the 71. One is a non-voting delegate, uh, <coughs> and the other, well, actually, 70. And then, of course, you have Bernie Sanders. But, he, but here's what's, what's taking place. You are seeing this ground for, for a decade being fertilized for socialism, for globalists, for the collective. And then you have Donald Trump come in and say, wait a second, no, no, we have to put America first. And the United Nations speech, uh, which, I, which I alluded to last hour, uh, and st- just to paraphrase what Donald Trump said, look at Venezuela. That is not a picture of failed socialism. That, that is a picture of socialism that, that was successful. And this is what we're looking at, looking down the barrel of this in the future. We're looking down the barrel uh, of this particular of this particular uh, uh, scenario to happen here in the United States. And the NFL is just one symptom of that. It's one collateral uh, aspect of that. And so, again, getting back to Bernie Sanders, yes, he was. I'm convinced, in my view, that he was cheated out of the Democratic nomination. But thank. Thank God he was. Now, having said that, um, having said that, the Sanders, which would be socialism, Hillary Clinton communism, the Maoist doctrine of communism, the Maoist, even the Stalinist version of communism, versus the Sanders uh, stepping stone of socialism to take with you know, overtake our country. Now, here's the thing. It, it amazes me how many libertarians are in favor of, or were in favor of, or supportive thereof, Bernie Sanders. And what I would urge everyone to watch and be very, very careful is the next Democratic presidential candidate on the national level is going to come from or be endorsed by CPUSA, the Communist Party USA, or coming outside or coming from within the Congressional Progressive Caucus, which is nothing more than a communist front embedded in our uh, leadership. Now, here's the other thing. The midterm elections, what is taking place there? You're going to see a lot of things take place, and a lot of, of, of people from endorsed by CPUSA and the Congressional uh, uh, Party uh, Caucus, Congressional, uh, I'm sorry, Congressional Progressive Caucus, again, the, the Communist Front, the Socialist Front, you're going to see a lot, lot from there, uh, either supported by this entity or uh, be reelected, and you're going to see this grow uh, like you've never seen before. The reason for this is you've got Mueller biting on the heels of people like Paul Manafort. You got Mueller biting on the heels of of uh, others, uh, Kushner, for example. Isn't it amazing? By the way, as I continue my monologue, isn't it amazing that you've got you've got Mueller? who is making a big deal now about the unsecured, alleged unsecured communications of Jared Kushner, when, in fact, you've got 33,000 or more unsecured classified documents, emails, and don't give me, well, they weren't classified at the time. They were classified at the time. They were just not marked classified. 33,000 emails that were wiped out by Hillary, Diane Rodham, Clinton, and Huma Abedin, Cheryl Mills, Heather Samuelson, all of these people, 
the the Hillary Clinton criminal. And by the way, this weekend when um, Donald Trump was talking, uh, endorsing uh, Luther over over Judge Roy Moore, which I think Strange. he regrets. Yep. He really regrets that. The fact is this: um, when you look at this, when you look at all of this in its entirety, he had, he had said to at that meeting uh, when they were when there were chants of "lock her up, lock her up," he looked at the crowd and said, "Talk to Jeff Sessions." Well, the last I knew, Jeff Sessions was subordinate to, um, somewhat subordinate to to the president of the United States. I I, I get the I say that. Let me. I understand the the uh, divisions of government, the three branches of government. I understand that, but you cannot have either an out of control. Well, you cannot have an out of control special prosecutor or spe- not prosecutor, special counsel. Don't forget the independent counsel law expired a number of years ago. You've got a special counsel that is essentially violating two laws by itself, not not by by his existence, but by his actions. And you've got um, Hillary Clinton, who many believe mentally, and, and I and I do suspect that this is a, some sort of mental uh, uh, misfire here, where Hillary Clinton absolutely positively is being let off the hook. Why? Because, well, she didn't win, so she's now irrelevant. No. That would be like saying, well, you know what? The guy robbed the bank, but, uh, uh, but the fact of the matter is uh, um, he lost the money, so... Ah, you know we're not going to we're not going to charge them. It's BS. We must, as a unified front, we must present a unified front in the alternative or honest media, and we must pressure Jeff Sessions to his Department of Justice. At the very least, we must pressure him to go off and to prosecute Hillary Clinton. And as a matter of fact, we should have a, we should demand a, a special. Uh, 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 an independent or a special counsel to investigate the Clinton email scandal, which was not discovered. And, and again, just to give you a little history, that that wasn't known until the, the Benghazi committee hearings. If nothing, if the Benghazi hearing uh, committee hearings did nothing else, they were responsible for showing for for discovering the fact that Hillary Clinton was using an email server, contrary to, by the way, contrary to law that extends back to 1995. Also, George W. Bush did the same very same thing. He used uh, he used his own uh, server as well, while president, although not as prolific as Hillary Clinton. But Hillary Clinton back in 2000 had said, "Oh, I, you know, I'm not going to use email. No, look, I'm investigated for everything." But all of this. And ultimately she did. And she got hooked on the Blackberries and there were 11, uh, 11 separate devices under the Secretary of State alone. And then you've got Huma Abedin, you've got Blackberries, you've got laptops. And this overlaps into the Anthony Weiner situation. So all of this together. And, oh, the DNC. The DNC hacks were not hacks. Of course, they were leaks. You've got Julian Assange out there. And Julian Assange knows who provided WikiLeaks with the DNC emails. Now, when you look at this collectively, what would you say? Eighty-five percent sure? That no, a hundred percent sure. It was not. A, it was not a hack. Okay. <clears throat> so the bottom line is, you've got and, and oh, let me one other thing here. While I'm at it, and you can tell I'm not scripted here. I've got no notes. That's um, <clears throat> out of a few little words here and there. But but the fact that but the fact is, you've got you've got. Um, 
you've you've got the uh uh in addition to everything else you've got the uh Seth Rich murder investigation and you've got the IT scandal in Congress with Debbie Wasserman Schultz the Owan Owan Cabal I'm not even going to say Owan brothers because it was Owan and his wife Hina Alvi who by the way has come back from Pakistan as we've talked about before who's come back from Pakistan and is arranging a plea deal. So take a look at this all, and and do not do not look at the minutia of this only. You have to kind of pull back the lens, and then once you get, get once you get an idea of the landscape, then you look at each individual aspect of this. You look at this as one big crime scene, and then it's got to be separated into more manageable crime scenes with teams of investigators investigating each one of these, working together to to really prosecute the Clinton Obama criminal cabal, but we've never seen criminality like this, and the fact that this special counsel under Robert Mueller, the fact that this alone exists and is being permitted to exist, tells should tell you and I everything we need to know about the shadow government who is in power, because they should not be allowed to exist. If I were Donald Trump, I would get rid of the special counsel, I would fire them right now, or demand that Jeff Sessions fire them fire Mueller, because there are so many conflicts of interest, there's so much incestuous uh, conduct going on, the, the felonious activity taking place within the office of the special counsel, and the fact that the intelligence agencies, as we are finding out now, through, and thankfully through uh, Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch, uh, we're finding out the weaponization of the intelligence services going back to uh, uh, Samantha Power. By the way, and I don't know how many, and I talked about this in my morning show, 260 individual requests by the ambassador, U.S. ambassador to the United Nations for unmasking in, in the time period leading up to the election. And then between election day and inauguration day, it continued 200. Now think about that. 260 requests for unmasking. And that's outside of by, your job description. Right? Uh, of course. Yeah. Of course. You, you tell me the ambassador to the United Nations. You tell me what business she has to unmask the names of Americans who were caught up either in incidental surveillance or deliberate surveillance. You tell me. There is no precedent for this, and this is a criminal aspect. Well, you can't deny an order from... uh King Obama. No, 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 I'll tell you what. Let's not trivialize this. I'm Look, not trivializing. Uh, no, no. I'm let's let's not trivialize this the because scandals from his beginning to even his out, outing of president, uh, his presidency are exactly unlike any other president in history. And I don't want to play the race card, but many people say that if he was not African American, he would uh, have he would have been arrested and impeached many, many, many times. Based well, on and, the, by, who? by who? By who? By, by the Lynch Department of Justice? By the Holder Department of Justice? No, I don't. I don't buy that. I don't buy that. I don't buy that okay. one bit. Okay, he stacked the deck, and, and here's that. That's a, that whole issue. The deck was stacked from day one with the assistance of the Bush people, with the assistance because they would not have existed without Bush, with without the Republican establishment throwing out the weak, lame 2008 candidates. This would not have happened had. Bush not acquiesced, and, and the Republican establishment not acquiesced from day one. And this is why we go back to 2007, 2008, and, and saying, look, who is Obama? What are his bona fides? And you know what? You come up with zip. So here's the deal. You've got 
criminality that is being not is not being addressed. You've got the cement the power, 260 unmasking requests before, during, and immediately after the election, and between the time of the uh, election and the inauguration, giving that power by uh, by uh, to, by Brennan as well as by James Clapper. J- James Clapper lied under oath at least twice to Congress. You've got Brennan, the same deal. You've got all of these establishment Republicans. Now you've got Judicial Watch in a separate but related situation. Tom Fitton and his outfit, they've got, uh, I don't know, well over two dozen, I believe it is, active lawsuits right now going after the uh, the paperwork from going after the emails and correspondence documentation. And they are getting what? Getting nothing from the Sessions Department of Justice. Why? Why is that? Because, number one, there are some Obama holdovers there, but that's not the entire reason. It's a cover-up. It's a cover-up because there are, that's right, now, now there there are people, there are uh, establishment Republicans that are involved in this process that are involved in that group of uh, not appointed or not elected, but uh, shall we say appointed or selected positions that are running interference. And I don't believe Donald Trump knows this. And this is why we're seeing Donald Trump being isolated to a large degree by the his chief of staff and, and by the people around him. He is not, no, I, th- I don't believe he knows the entirety. I don't believe he knows the scope of of what is not getting through. And if he did know, would it matter? I think it would. So we're seeing a, a palace coup take place. We're seeing the establishment Republicans just just running roughshod over the American people. You're seeing John McCain leading the globalists. And then you're now developing, in addition to everything else, you are developing, um, oh, but, well, you, you, we're being forced to war. Oh, did I mention that, the, the, the war footing? Let me just say this. North Korea right now, we, we flew, of course, bombers very close to the east uh part of North Korea closer than ever before and we are in a position right now that is much is equally perilous I would say if not more so than the Cuban missile crisis now what's going on there of course the much was said about Donald Trump's reference to uh, Kim Jong-un as rocket man and of course the uh, the war back war words back but here's the issue here here's the issue now North Korea intends to explode a hydrogen bomb over the Pacific Bad idea. Bad idea for so many reasons. But and I wouldn't think it's North Korea. I bet China would have a, a much larger role in that than we would be told. Well, perhaps. But the but North Korea is the front man here, and and China can can uh, can China pull this rein them back in? I don't know. But the fact is this: we are at right now war footing, or basically war footing according to the people I've spoken to over the course of the last couple of days, even during the weekend. Um, the, the takedown by radiate or the takedown by an EMP perhaps of any aircraft flying in the area of this hydrogen bomb test would be an act of war. And this would be, this was none of the, this is not going to end well. No matter how you look at this, this is not going to have a good end. And the reason we are here today is the appeasement, the Neville Chamberlain appeasement of George Bush. Well, I'm going back to Clinton, Bill Clinton. This all started back in the early 90s. Yeah, and one can argue it started back in 1950 with North mm-hmm. Korea. I get that. But if you want to talk modern times, all right, it started with Bill Clinton, the presidency of Clinton, 
and it continued with George H.W. It, uh, a little bit with Reagan, although Reagan was a little bit tough after what he did with Libya, uh, what, what they saw with Libya, but, uh, North Korea was relatively quiet during the Reagan years. And then, of course, you had Bill Clinton, and Bill Clinton essentially sold the store via his wife, as well as him, sold the, the national store, uh, and we, it, it, the, the entire situation was inherited by Donald Trump. He got a really bad, uh, Donald Trump inherited a, a soup sandwich on this case, in this in North Korea. So he's left now to do something. Otherwise, are we going to, are we going to accept a nuclear North Korea that right now or in the very short term could have the potential to wipe out any city on the Pacific Rim and perhaps New York or Boston? Are we going to settle for that? Or are we going to do something? And there, there will be arguments, of course, that uh, you know we we can't go to war, we can't do anything, we can't preempt this strike. Oh, well, yeah, that's yeah, the argument. That's the argument. That that's correct. However, we're not talking in this case. It cannot be occupation in any sense of the word. But he, but to blame Donald Trump for answering the rhetoric instead of appeasing the rhetoric would, in in my view, is a tactical mistake. And again, this is not to elevate Donald Trump. This is just pure, in my view, anyway, pure and simple logic. So all of this news. And, and all people can, you know, talk about, all seem to be talking about is this, is, is the visibility of the NFL players. Again, the, the, that's important, but not for the reasons you think it is. The visibility of the protests of the NFL players speaks to something much deeper, much more ingrained in our moral and uh, spiritual and uh, nationalistic fabric in this country than ever before. And that's what's important. It, it, to, to me, that's the key. And, and I would again cite Charles Sasser book, Crushing the Collective. I would cite, uh, The Utopian Road to Hell by William Murray. I would cite David Capellian's book, uh, as well, um, The, uh, Snapping the American Mind to understand where we are socially here today. So having said all of that, um, uh, you're looking at a very perilous time in American history. And the divide and conquer strategy is alive and well. The lawlessness that we saw under Obama, the lawlessness under the Lynch Department of Justice and the Holder Department of Justice, and even going back, if you want to go back further, the lawlessness into the Janet Reno Department of Justice. Remember that. All of these have specific threads. And, of course, the James Comey issues under under Mueller, the Rod Rosenstein under Mueller, and under the former Comey, now Christopher Ray FBI. You've got all of these individuals right now all of them who have conflicts of interest and this special counsel, this runaway special counsel must be eradicated, must be stopped by any means necessary because if it is not Donald Trump is going to and, and oh, organizing for action the umbrella group of Obama has been found to be funding and, and using uh, funds and assets to throw roadblocks into the agenda of Donald Trump now I say that and, and, and the and what final group moments. is that? The, the Muslim what? Excuse me? The group is what? The Muslim? The Organizing for Action is the umbrella group. Okay, because I read an article about this today where it does not talk. It, the only thing it mentions uh, that they're standing against is violent, is terrorism. It doesn't say Muslim or Islamic terrorism. It doesn't say, you know, white supremacy terrorism. Only terrorism. And you have these uh, Muslim advocates come out and protest this even though they're not labeled, 
only at their their favorite tactics are labeled. But they have come out and they have uh, continued to uh, push against this. They even got it shut down once, but now it's moving forward in Phoenix, Arizona, I believe. Well, it, but it's but okay. It's headquartered out of Embassy Row, out of Washington D.C. And and by the way, as we extend into this, as we look further deeper into this, and we've got investigators that are have infiltrated these groups, as we look deeper into this, November fourth, okay, there is there there's there are riots planned for November fourth. Now, uh, I I'll be I'll be disclosing the website where all of this information exists. The, the various posters, the various pamphlets, the various pieces of information, and what is taking, what, what is going on right now, and this is in part based on my investigative results, part Soros funded, part uh, funded by other organizations that are related to uh, Obama and, uh, and, and have the influence by the Communist Party USA. So I guess what I'm saying to you is this. What we're seeing is a coup. And all of these, everything I've mentioned are elements thereof. And part and parcel to this coup. And it's not about Donald Trump the man, although he is a convenient target and certainly a likable target. When I say likable target, I'm talking about a likable target to those who don't like the freedom that American provide, that America provides. This is a war against the Judeo-Christian ethic. This is a war against the spirituality of our country. This is the Christian spirituality of our country. This is a war against Everything that America stands for, and it's coming from within. And right now, the globalists who have embedded themselves inside our government, assisted by the Obamas, the Clintons, the Bushes, the globalists in power. Think back to the picture where you've got the the, the former presidents. You got George W., George H. W. You got uh, Carter. You had. Uh, I'm just trying to think of that picture. I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. But we, we, who's missing, obviously, was, um, and I'm not sure when the picture was taken, but, but certainly uh, Donald Trump was not in that picture because he's not part of that group. He's not part of the influential trilateral commission or the influential uh, Council on Foreign Relations. Some might argue that he's, he's toyed with that, and especially with Kushner and Soros and such, but at the very heart of it, at the, it's not about Trump, it's about his agenda. It's about his uh it's about his uh, uh, the objective, America first, the, the nationalism, the exceptionalism. And I'm really fired up tonight about this because I think everyone needs to understand how serious this is. And if you're not understanding how serious this is, you're missing the boat. Now, coming up next hour, we've got Lexi Bess. And then in third hour, we've got William Ramsey. I just can't wait to hear what Lexi Bess has got to say about this. And, uh, of course, William Ramsey, we're going to be talking about the various well, the uh, West Memphis Three, and there is a connection here to all of this uh, as well. Now, don't forget to check HagmanReport.com because uh, Peter Barry Chaka's articles, and don't forget there's a special section on the sign for Peter Barry Chaka's article, and we're seeing the manifestation now of what Peter Barry Chaka had said about Sean Hannity starting at 9 o'clock on the 25th. Lo and behold, there it is, but a bing He's starting on the 25th, just as you heard it here first on the Hagman Report. Over a month ago. Well over a month ago. And we're seeing that happen tonight. And then, of course, Laura Ingram next month on the 30th of October, taking the 10 o'clock slot. So you've got uh, Peter Barry Chaka saying, hey, Sean Hannity coming at 9. Now, why is that important? Because out of all of the, and I said this again on this morning, out of all of the corporate media personalities, it is Sean Hannity who is drawing the most fire because he's the one speaking the truth in this case and he is the 
the last bastion of truth. You've got Lou Dobbs, Neil Cavuto, yes, but in terms of prime time, he is the last bastion. He's the, he's the last roadblock in the corporate media right now, and that is the, and that is Sean Hannity. So it's great to see him at the nine o'clock hour. I just I, and we need to support him, and we need to support every every member of the alternative media, of the new media, of the honest media, who's fighting the fight of truth the campaign for truth. We're going to be back with Lexi Best right after this. Three minutes, network break. Stay right where you're at. to hagmanreport.com click on the link to Greenovative what Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida, they created something called the GMAG power cell it produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries it's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life it's really neat, really a, a super device All right, you need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water but a thing, you're charging your rechargeable batteries Super GMAG chargeable is affordable, it's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces, it's durable, it's EMP proof, and it's environmentally friendly, yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, 6 AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night, go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an ammo can. For investors, Timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 
855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com, PreciousTimberProfits.com. Amidst the headlines, amidst the the the, the white noise, uh, amidst the the visual, the optics of of the of my goodness of what we saw this this weekend, amidst all of that, we have everything else taking place behind the scenes, everything else going on behind the scenes, and it, it, look, I would urge everyone to understand that. Sometimes the optics become overpowering, overbearing, and you start looking at, at what they want you to look at. You look at the shiny trinket that's being dangled in front of you. With us tonight to talk about the talk about the issues is Lexi Bess. Now Lexi Bess has been on before. I like this I like this young lady. Um and she, we're gonna be talking about the uh NFL protest. Yes, it's a First Amendment right, but it's just like burning a flag. It isn't always the most appropriate time or place. But Lexi Bess, her website is LexiBest.com, and she's on Twitter as well. Is she on yet? Do we have her on? Perfect. Let's bring Lexi on. Lexi, how are you? I'm great. How are y'all? Oh, fantastic. So what are we to make of this? Man, you know, I, I couldn't wait to talk with you. Joe and I couldn't wait to talk with you today. What do you make of all this uh, that's going on? Oh, man. It's such an interesting it's so interesting what's going on because we knew that this was this has been going on since last year and whenever the president went to Birmingham, Alabama and he said what he did uh on his platform, I was not surprised. I was surprised, but I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised by the fact that he said it because whatever the president wants to say, he's going to say it. But I was surprised that he would bring it up again. It does make sense with him being in Alabama, uh even though I go to school at the University of Tennessee, and I refuse to say Roll Tide. I mean, he was in Alabama, which is like football is the most wonderful thing. Football is life. It's like Jesus family football. I mean, it's like a part. It's almost like its own religion, but not quite. So for for the president to say what he did, I was shocked that he was bringing it up again. But it didn't, it's kind of like Kofifi. It's like this whole thing, like it's going to stir the pot for a little bit while the president is off doing something else. But what kills me is that the man who started this, Kaepernick, Kaeper, yes, I think I'm saying that right, but Kaepernick. Kaepernick. He, uh, Kaepernick. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, he didn't vote. Oh, really? Kaepernick didn't vote. There was a whole segment on it on... ESPN and yeah, Kaepernick came out and said that he did not vote. Wow. So, so this whole movement is a joke. It's a joke to me because if the man who started the movement didn't even vote, then what are you doing? Exactly. How well so, said is that? Okay. I mean, and, and excuse me, the, the rally was in Huntsville, not Birmingham, but I mean, I was born in, um, I was born in Dothan, Alabama, so to me, Huntsville and Birmingham are pretty similar, but um, I'm very well aware of the southern Alabama region. But, yeah, Kaepernick didn't even vote. So I understand that this movement was put in place uh, to raise awareness um, 
of, you know, the whole white cops and, and African Americans and that whole situation of African American oppression. And, you know, it was a race issue. And I totally understand. However, the man who started the movement didn't even vote. So. Wow. And now this movement isn't even a movement anymore. It's like a stand up against the president for saying, who are you to tell us what we can and cannot do? Um, do can I, can I, you imagine this under Obama? I mean, wow. Could you? Oh, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think President Obama would have gotten on stage in Alabama and said, get that son of a beep off the field. I don't, I don't think President Obama would ever say that, uh, which to me is what makes President Trump so entertaining. And one of the many reasons that I enjoy following him is that he says things like that and he's, he keeps you on your toes for sure. But under President Obama, this movement was started. And no, no attention. There wasn't really any pushback like there is now because the president didn't really come out and say, no, don't do that. Or he didn't, he didn't endorse it and he didn't condone it. So it started under his presidency and it's continued. It's just that President Trump came out of the blue and brought it back up again when it, I mean, the man who started the movement isn't on a team anymore. So the movement had gone cold. It had gone irrelevant. And President Trump gave this movement, movement, really it's just a protest against the president, new life. So it makes me wonder why he did that, if so to speak. Like, was it intentional? Did he want to draw attention away from something else that's happening? When the president does things like this, because this isn't the first time that he's done something like this, although I I mean, I voted for the president and I support my president, it makes me wonder what his administration is working on while the media is pushing and focusing on these other things, on these other issues behind the scenes. That is a good point as well, because I I do think that we're we're kind of watching that shiny trinket dangled before us. Meanwhile, things like the health care bill is is not going anywhere. Uh, North Korea's flaming out, you know, and other things. So, okay. So so what in your in your view should we be focused on uh, aside from the the division that we see taking place obviously and and really facilitated by the uh in my view anyway the communist or social uh, socialist in the power today. But but what should we what what where should our direction be focused especially today? Oh man, I mean, <laughs> there are just so many issues that we have right now. I mean, we have the threat of North Korea. That's never fun. And we, that's a superpower. I mean, it's not a superpower, but it is slowly developing into one. And, you know, there are two sides to that. There's one side that says, why have we not squashed this? Why is this still growing? And then there's another one that's saying like, well, we can't squash it because that's going to start World War III and all this other, all these other arguments. So that should, that's always loom, that's looming right now. Uh, but what I don't understand is why aren't we focusing on Puerto Rico? That's a, that's a oh, big yeah. concern. As someone who voted for President Trump, I, Puerto Rico, those are American citizens and they are in deep trouble right now. And I mean, after the hurricane, they need desperate, they need funds. Currently, I, I just watched it, um, on Reuters, 
uh, earlier on the Reuters Now app, uh, a cardiologist came out and said that he's telling people that if they can afford it to get to the mainland, to get to America, because no help is coming to Puerto Rico. The Department of Defense hasn't come out and said anything. No one has really stepped up to help Puerto Rico, and those are American citizens. So I don't understand. Yes, the president said what he did, and whether I personally, I mean, I don't think that you should be kneeling um, during the national anthem, but, I mean, that is your right, just like it's my First Amendment right to say that I don't agree with what you're doing. You do you. But... I wish that he would draw attention to Puerto Rico because right now I think that's I something. I mean, those are our citizens, and I don't understand why he's not paying attention to them. And, and that's a good point. You've got, what, three, three point one, three point some million in Puerto Rico. And they're looking. I just heard a report that up to a third could immigrate or come to the mainland, at the very least, a third. So you're talking about a million um, Americans from Puerto Rico coming to the mainland because there's nothing there. There's no, and you're right, there's no help coming. And, and what's that, Lexi, in your informed opinion and research, why? Why is Puerto Rico being treated like the redheaded stepchild of, 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 of our country? Well, unfortunately, Puerto Rico has a, unfortunately, this happens. Uh, there seems to be, if there's no representation for you in Congress, if there's no, if you don't have a strong voice where it matters, then you don't get attention when you need it. And which I, I don't agree with. I mean, I don't think that that's fair, but for some reason in our, in our government today, there seems to be that mentality of if you don't have a very strong voice pulling for you, then you're not going to get the attention that you need. So this is, this has kind of been a trend with our, like, our territories are, our islands such as like like Puerto Rico like they Got are it. American yep. citizens and for some reason we don't view them as American citizens simply because they aren't on the mainland which I don't I don't under we should be treating this situation just the same as we would Texas or Florida or Louisiana and if we're going to grant um if we're going to grant people the right to call themselves American citizens then we should treat them just like we would any other citizen and I don't understand like where the disconnect is. I, I strongly believe that it's because that there is a lack, there's a lack of a, of a platform and a voice for these individuals and therefore there's no help coming. Hmm. And that's a, a frightening, disturbing thought. And, and I agree with you on this. Um, just looking at this, none of this feels right. Do you think Donald Trump is getting the message? I mean, he's got to be, right? Or is he is he too insulated? I think that the president is getting the message. However, I think that the president is so com- consumed by the backlash that he's received from his one comment that for some reason, whatever he sees people latching onto on Twitter, that's what he keeps going with. That's what he keeps going with. And then you have a few people who are stepping up and saying... Puerto Rico, and then our voices are just kind of like shoved to the bottom of the rest of whatever needs to be heard. I think that he is getting this in his intelligence briefings, but but I mean that's just my speculation. I would hope that the intelligence community would brief him on what's happening to American citizens in Puerto Rico, but I just don't know if he's treating it the same as he is. I don't. 
I really think, unfortunately, that I don't know if he is getting all the information. Now that I talk it out with you all and I think about it, I'm not sure if he truly, if he fully understands the magnitude of it. I think hopefully by tomorrow he would voice his concern and say, our Puerto Rican citizens, like, our hearts are with you. We're going to start doing stuff to help you all and because you are American citizens and Hopefully it'll sink in and hopefully someone who's watching his social media is going to pipe up at the, I hope some intern who's watching his social media is going to pipe up at the next meeting and say, sir, there's an issue in Puerto Rico and it's bigger than you think it is and we should probably do something. But you never, you really, you never really know what's going on in the White House. We can speculate like I'm doing right now, but we're not behind those closed doors and we don't know what, um, Sarah Huckabee is saying right now, Sarah Sanders. We don't know what she's saying. I will always call her Sarah Huckabee, like, forever. <laughs> I do the same forever. thing. Forever. We don't know what she's saying. We don't know what my girl Kellyanne Conway is saying. We don't know. We just don't know. So hopefully he will get the information that he needs, and hopefully he would act on it. That's, yeah, um, I hope so. I, yeah, yeah I, just, I, just, I just see this, and, and I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, you know, it seems like he's being... Um, there's so, the information that he's getting is selective. Oh, you know, North Korea, and I understand the severity of it, but, but that information is getting through, but, you know, the, the potential for the dam breaking in, uh, Puerto Rico and the millions affected, uh, not so much. So it's almost like the selective insulation or insulation with selective information getting through, but you, but you're right. Um, okay. Well, and I'm glad, I'm glad you're kind of keeping your eyes on this and, and, uh, and looking at this. And by the way, you can follow Lexi Bess at, uh, Lexi Bess on Twitter. That, that is correct, right? I did get yes, that right. Okay. It is. All right. By the way, I, I do follow you and it's, it's, uh, we do and it's, it's fun to see your, um, as a political blogger, a con- uh, contributor for Red Alert and as you, as you describe yourself, this rare millennial conservative, Foreign Affairs, National Security, Middle East, and such, Second Amendment. I, I love it. So, okay, let's kind of pull back a little bit. Let's, North Korea, your thoughts, because that's a huge issue. Oh, man. So, currently in my home right now, we've got two sides. We've got my side that's saying North Korea needs to chill. I'm really happy that China's taking the steps that it is to pull, um, you know, oil exports. Uh, from North Korea, and I'm happy that some kind of steps are being taken. And I think that Nikki Haley is really she's trying, man. <laughs> I think that I think that she would do a better job as Secretary of State. But that's just me. But she's doing great where she is. Um, right now, I'm just like I'm cheering on the positive things that are going on. And meanwhile, I've got my boyfriend who is in the Army National Guard, and he's like, "Hey, this is job security. Let's." Go and I'm like, no, stop. And he's not the only one. I have a lot of friends in Army ROTC who are very much like, hey, North Korea is job security. Like, let's roll with it. And I'm like, y'all, are, I need y'all to calm down because I can't handle that. It is, it is very scary what's happening because it's been said that it would be just as horrific as Vietnam. The terrain would be so. It's scary. You, well, you don't, you don't think that there would be any troops deployed, do you? Or uh, in, in in North Korea, I, or would it be just from the air, or air air and sea without the troops, just the bombing? Uh, that's kind of my question. I don't think I don't think that air and sea 
would get the message across with quote unquote quote rocket man. I mean, we've got these fighter jets flying like right next to the border and doing these exercises with with not real bombs, but like real bombs on an island right next to the coast, showing our power, showing a sign of force, saying like, hey, um, you need to chill, Rocket Man. Like, we're not messing around. And then he continues to like see how far his missiles can go. And it's just getting farther and closer to America. So I think that if we were to go to war with North Korea, it would be an all-out war. I think that it would be land, air, and sea. Uh, just because of how Severe. I don't think that we're going to do anything though until North Korea. North. I think. I think that North Korea would have to do something because China has already said if America were to take the first step, we would defend North Korea. But if North Korea were to take the first step, then we would be on America's side. So I think that the United States would definitely wait for North Korea to do something. But when North Korea does do something, oh, it's going to be a full-on bloodbath. With this administration, with Mad Dog, I mean, we do have to think of who our Department of Defense is right now. Yeah. And he's not just gonna, he's not just gonna like let, let our air and sea forces handle it. Oh no, 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 no. He's gonna wanna send in his Marines. He's gonna wanna send in the 101st. He's gonna wanna go through a full on war. And because he wants to get the message across, uh, this administration wants to get the message across, like, we are the United States. We are the power. We are, like, it's us or nothing. And what's interesting, there was actually an article in the Wall Street Journal about this anti-America rhetoric that's going through North Korea. And it was in this uh, weekend's. Uh, journal and it was under the review. There was like a whole part of it and like it, it explained how cakes have rockets on them, rocket decorations and kids are playing instead of with toy garbage trucks, they're playing with like toy rockets. And this concept of rockets literally consumes North Korea. It consumes the culture. Like we are like this power. We have the rockets and they're listening to their leader and they're listening to him and they're saying like we are the power the united states like they're they're below us they're nothing like we're this power and in all honesty it's taking them how long to get a rocket together i mean it's just you look at their little parades of equipment and tanks and i mean like you can just see that it's not up to par with what our equipment is so it's yeah yeah i mean obviously but But, like okay but you mentioned something very important there in my view do you believe that the rhetoric by uh, the, the North Korean leader there is for internal, more internal consumption within their country? As you mentioned, the, the rocket cakes and such, uh, and the talk about all this. So it, would it be more for internal consumption as opposed to international consumption? To, to, or is it both, or what do you think? Well, I think what's going on right now is I think that they are preparing those in North Korea, they're, they are preparing them. It's almost like brainwashing. Okay. So it's kind of like saying we are the power. We're, we're doing what we need to do to defend ourselves. Rockets are okay. And if the United States were to come, like to attack us because we attacked them because of our rockets, we're still like this dominating. We're still this power. So it's kind of like preparing this 
culture for a war is how I see it from like a, I'm not a psychology student, but like this idea that if we prepare our citizens for war, then they'll be better prepared for it. And if they think that we're this world power, then they'll have this confidence boost and this morale and this whole like, this whole idea behind it. So it's, it's definitely for an internal, not an external. Like, whenever the Wall Street Journal wrote this article, it was just, like, talking about what's going on in North Korea. But if you hadn't read this article, you really wouldn't have known about it. Like, no, world news is really discussing rocket cakes. It's more of, like, an internal, almost brainwashing, but not quite. It's like an internal culture thing going on that I found interesting. And they do have, they had an anti-America rally, I'm pretty sure, in North Korea, where, you know, they just came together and they were like, what what the president of the United States said will not be tolerated. And uh, there was like, they had this political poster of a tank rolling on top. It was like, it it was in Korean, but apparently they were like anti-American, or like American slangs or like American sayings, and the tank was like rolling over them. So there's definitely this whole, like, political campaign that's very much anti-America plus the rockets. So it's definitely, like, an internal push to kind of prepare. I think that they're preparing to go to war with America. They're just assuming it's going to happen. Sanctions? Thoughts on those? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, gosh. I wish. How, how, much more, how much more can be done, you know? It's true. Honestly, at this point, I think that we're just throwing stuff on the table to say that we did it, to say that we tried, and then whenever it doesn't work, we're just going to be like, hey, we tried. This is our last option. It's just kind of, they don't want to say, they don't want to sit there and say, well, we didn't try, and this is what happened. They want to be able to sit there and say, no, we did X, Y, and Z, and now we're, like, going to have to attack North Korea because these other things didn't happen. So it's sanctions are not going to work. It's just this, it's kind of like a check. Yeah. It's like checking off a list saying, well, tried that, tried that. Going so. through the motions is what we're doing and satisfying the international community to some extent, they, although they're not going to be satisfied, but I, I get what you're saying. And, and you mentioned about the uh, Mattis, Mad Dog Mattis being in a position. Does that, does that kind of give you cause for pause? What do you mean? Well, Does that kind of... I mean, Mattis being in the position that he's in, are, are you reassured by that, or are you... Oh. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh. I just want to make... I, I kind of want to get, get your feelings, though. <laughs> you know, based on your research and also having a skin in the game, literally, you know, with with your with your uh, uh, boyfriend, uh, yeah, just kind of curious as to what, you know, what your thoughts are. Oh, my goodness. When Mad Dog was there on television and said, oh, nothing keeps me up at night. I keep other people up at night. Mm. Sold. You got me. Keep them. Keep them. Keep them. Like, just every administration should have a mad dog. I mean, my mother was talking to me whenever uh, the nominations for the cabinet uh, were coming up at the beginning of this administration. And the... um, the education recommendation, the that cabinet member for education, my mother came up to me and she said, and you'll have to excuse me because I just literally had nine hours of school. So, like, I'm slow today. But my mother came up to me and she was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how I feel about this nomination for education and, and blah, blah, blah. And I looked at her and I was like, Mom, 
why are you concerned about that? She was like, well, it's an important thing. It's the Department of Education. And I was like, Mom, we got Mad Dog. Like, your national security is fine. That's all you need to worry about. If your national security is okay, everything else is going to be okay. So just chill. And that kind of opened her mind to, oh, yeah. Are you popular? You're not, you're not that popular on campus, are you? Um, (laughs) not for my political views. Absolutely not. Well, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Nope. Absolutely not. All right. All right. But your assessments, you know, and it's amazing. Nine hours of, of class time. And, and now you're, you're with us for an hour. Your, your assessments, your research. I got to tell you, it's, it's, um, you could go head to head, I believe, with anyone on the, on the mainstream media, uh, any of these talking heads. So good job. I mean, um, especially with, with your, the, the research you've already done. And, and it's amazed me. By the way, we're, we're just coming up here about two minutes away from a break. Um, so, so okay. Uh, we, we, we covered the, by the way, let me go back to the NFL. Uh, what we're seeing there, I, I believe, really is is is, a, is the, the outgrowth or the, the consequence of eight years, ten years of Obama Clinton that mentality. Your quick thoughts to that? I mean, again, just to reiterate. Um, well, what I would start out with, I just want to remind everyone that Twitter and Facebook were born during the Obama administration, mm-hmm. or they picked up during the Obama administration. So those, the millennials, I know I'm one of them, it's so unfortunate, but the millennials grew up with this concept of the Obama administration, and they didn't they didn't grow up to see any other administration. And then you have social media just pushing the agenda of the Obama administration. And then you have the Clintons coming back into play with social media and conservatives. And my conservatives just kind of sat there with, oh, my goodness, there's this thing called social media, and we're not pushing our platform because, like, we aren't in the White House or, like, we're just, for some reason, they just didn't push their platform like they should have. And most, well, most social media these days is is towards the left, leans to the left. Even their CEOs lean to the left. Don't get me started. But they're the left of mouth. It's just my generation grew up with the Obama-Clinton right. ideals. So these people, this movement is just furthered. I mean, these men, you know, whenever they were, Alana, I mean, some of these men, whenever they were 24, 23, with their frontal lobes were still being developed. Because, you know, guys, it takes a little longer scientifically proven. You know, whenever they were getting developed, oh, sorry. they... They were pushed. Lexi, hold on. We're up against the break. Yeah, we're sorry about that uh, delayed development of our, uh, you know, frontal lobe and stuff, <laughs> you know, the intellectual development. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman Report. Our guest, Lexi Best, uh, follow her on Twitter, at Lexi Best, and, of course, LexiBest.com. Uh, great, great information. She's on top. She's not, she really is on top of everything. A, a conservative millennial, a rare breed, but not maybe not so much. But she does have her stuff together. Stay right right where you're at. Network break three minutes. Right back. We will be right back. It shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. 
folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com. Masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High quality items, made in America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow. It's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Chang Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Journeys kit at www.changelosswoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Conservative millennial. What's the modifier here? I'm not sure. They're both, but but she knows of which that that of which she speaks. Uh, she's a great researcher, and she does go to school full time, university full time. But she's got a website. She's got uh, that's LexiBest.com, and of course you can follow her on Twitter. And the fact of the matter is, uh, she is taking the pulse and, and giving us information about really what's taking place all across America, and uh, especially in the millennial group. So the I think that the takeaway from this, especially talking with Lexi, is all is not lost. There is hope for that generation. Oh, and by the way, I wanted to mention too. If if you wonder where Joe went, uh, it was during the first part, which is why it was kind of screwed up. Uh, he got notified of the broken pipe in his in his apartment, so he's off to take care of that. I said, go 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 go, go take care of that. Uh, and that never fun when that happens. Believe me. Oh well. Uh, so. 
that's where he's at. But Lexi, thanks for uh, holding over on the break, and uh, let's continue right through the top of the hour. My goodness, um, there was a shooting in in uh, Antioch, Tennessee, not too far from. I mean, it's your kind of your turf in a sense uh, that that happened this weekend, and there wasn't too much information really about it. Uh, what I, did I just say that right? There was a shooting in a church. Did, did I just say that? Yes. Okay. Unfortunately, I, that, all right. That is correct. Okay. I, for some reason, I, I blanked out there for a second. I don't know. Um, yeah. There, there was. Tell us about that. What you know about that? What's being reported versus the facts? And my goodness. So what I know is that it was right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. So it wasn't in Nashville. It was right outside of Nashville. It's almost like the same county. So what happened was a this. This man um, walked in. He shot a woman in the parking lot of a church, and then he walked in with two pistols, and he opened. He began. He was opening fire, and he did. There, he killed one person and wounded seven. But he walked into the church, and he opened fire, and an usher tackled him or or fought him and caused the shooter, the gunman. Um, he caused him to kind of give himself a self-inflicted wound and took the guns away and then went out to his vehicle and got uh, the man, this usher, this churchgoer, uh, from what I've seen in the reports, went out to his vehicle, got another uh, weapon, and held this shooter at gunpoint until the police showed up. He was a concealed carry. Uh, I'm pretty sure he, from the reports, there are so many reports because the mainstream media, no surprise, they aren't dedicating enough resources to the story and the facts are all over the place. So, uh, there, there is a report that he was a concealed carry permit carrier, went out to his vehicle, got his weapon and held the shooter at gunpoint until the police showed up. And this man who did the shooting, uh, he is a Sudanese immigrant. And he came over to the United States whenever he was four or five years old. So right. what's interesting is that that's Emmanuel K. Sampson is the shooter, and he, mm-hmm. he is a Sudanese. As a matter of fact, uh, as soon as this happened, I'll just tell people this: HomelandSecurityUS.com. I captured his, his. As soon as I heard about this, I went on on the social networking, which was scrubbed like within uh, two hours. Lexi, I mean, uh, his uh, Facebook posting. His Facebook page was scrubbed in two hours. It's on HomelandSecurityUS.com. He studied psychology at uh, Mott Community College. He went to Smyrna High School, lives in Murphy Burroughs, Tennessee, and from uh, Khartoum, Sudan. And his name, of course, is Emmanuel K. Sampson, just as an FYI. So go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so that's that's crazy. But he was a, he came out of the United States when he was four or five years old, and a lot of people on Twitter, on Facebook, whenever they got this information, a lot of people kind of were waiting for the mainstream media to pick it up, and they, they took a while to pick it up. But a lot of people, whenever they were retweeting it, and you can, I may be wrong in this, but whenever a lot of people were retweeting it, they were saying um, that he was an immigrant from one of the countries listed on Trump's initial travel ban. That's right. So I figured, I figured that was right, but like I said, nine hours of classes can't well, think straight. He, you know, yeah, that's fine, and you're you're doing <laughs> well, and and I I I love you for it because um you're you're just you're just plowing through. But yeah, he uh, his social networking, he self-identifies as being from uh, Sudan, and he gave no age. This guy's a big 
body weightlifter guy, kind of guy. And the usher was Robert Engel, a 22 year old kid who got in the process, got pistol whipped. And in the process of that whole thing, apparently, and, and, and tell me if I'm right, uh, Samson, uh, the gun went off and hit Samson. Although that was like a non-fatal, non, I mean, the guy was released for, after treatment. And, uh, but, but Engel went out to his car, got a, got his weapon, went back in and uh, held him at bay. So. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And it, what's crazy about this is I was actually sitting in church when this happened on Sunday, and I was with um, I was with my boyfriend who is a concealed carry permit man, and he does carry even though he's not supposed to. Sometimes he may or may not carry in churches, but he doesn't do it intentionally. I think that he just forgets. So because he is a police officer, technically because he's a police officer, he always has his badge and he can always carry, but that's for another time. Sure. So he was in the church and he didn't have his firearm. And I, I was sitting there and I was like, man, I wonder what would happen if an active shooter came through the door. And what's crazy is that we left service and I checked my phone and there was a shooting <laughs> right yeah. outside of Nashville. So it it's disheartening to know that the mainstream media is not covering isn't giving this as much coverage as I think that they should be, um, especially with the travel ban going on. Trump just released a permanent, like there is no end date for this new travel ban of of more nations being added, like Venezuela and North Korea. Well, there's no surprise for North Korea, but he added more places on this travel ban list, and he's made it harder to fight against in court. And it's just crazy that. This story isn't being reported whenever he was from Sudan, which right. is on the... So right. it makes you wonder, even Fox, I was kind of disappointed with Fox. I was like, hey oh, <laughs> they kind of took him a minute. They did report it, but it, t- it took him a minute. So it just it's disheartening well, whenever... Uh, you, you know, it's it, but to be fair, okay, and, and to be balanced. <laughs> I didn't mean to say fair and balanced, <laughs> but... Uh, so you've got a, you've got a young... Uh, the shooter coming over to the United States when, when he was four or five probably knows no other culture than the American culture, or, or at least as he sees it from within the family unit that he may or may not have had. I don't, I don't know. Um, and I was looking at some of his Facebook postings. He's all kind of all over the place with respect to his, his beliefs. So it's it kind of a bipolar, to me, a bipolar situation, but, Aside from that, you know what, Lexi? You know, here's what concerns me. I think this speaks to a larger issue. Uh, conservative Christians or Christian conservatives, whichever, aren't we? I mean, isn't there something wrong when we are the target in a free America? When we have to think about carrying, like you, like you were thinking, you know, what would happen if an active shooter came in? You're, you're thinking that because it's happening. Isn't there something wrong? What, what, isn't, the, isn't that the issue, the larger issue here? Oh, absolutely. Uh, that No one should have to think that way. Um, absolutely no one should have to think that way. No matter, I mean, yes, I am a Christian, but I, no religion should right. have to think that way. Unless, I mean, like if you're an extremist, then you're that's a totally different conversation for a different time. But no one should have to think that way. No one should have to sit there and think of an exit Root. No one should have to think there, sit there and think, oh my gosh, if they're an active shooter, could I hide underneath this pew? But unfortunately, we, that's the world that we live in. And, you know, I have those thoughts in my classes. I'll sit in the front row and I'll look at the door and I'll say, if an active shooter were to bust through that door, what would I do? 
And unfortunately, we live in a culture where we have to think that way, especially with the invention of safe spaces, whatever the world, whatever that is, honestly, safe spaces are just spaces for you to have a target on your back for those who aren't law-abiding citizens to open fire on you. And you can't return because you are a law-abiding citizen who got your carry permit legally, but, you know, you can't carry everywhere because they're trying to prevent the bad guys, like the bad guys are going to abide by the laws. But that's just the world, (laughs) yeah, a perfect world. Yeah, but, and, and, and I have to ask you, and, 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 uh, be, because I, I don't have any, obviously, any, any children in university at this point or in the, but do you feel safe where you're at in, in school? Uh, obviously, you're thinking about this kind of stuff, so, but do you, do you feel safe? Um, I feel safe because I am aware. Okay. If I, if I wasn't aware, I would be in danger. Unfortunately, that's the culture that we lived in. I actually made a video on my Facebook page about the Georgia Tech shooting. These, and I don't know if you've, if you've talked about that or if you've caught up about that, but basically this student who was 22 years old, I want to say, um, he, he approached, he called 911. This is such a crazy story. This is so crazy. He called 911. Yeah, Yeah, please talk about this. This is fascinating. I love this. this. Oh my gosh. It makes me want to, okay, it makes me want to scream. So this student, this was last week. A student called 911. The student describes another student as walking down the street, has a knife in his hand, and it looks like it has, he has a gun on his hip. Describes him, um, as wearing jeans and a white shirt. And then he gives the name of himself giving the report in case they need to call him for questions later. Turns out the guy was calling in on himself. Police show up to the scene. Georgia Tech police show up on the scene. Georgia Tech police officers do not carry tasers. I think it's pretty smart. but So Georgia Tech police show up, <laughs> and he's slowly walking towards the officers. Looks like he has a knife in his hand, and they're mine on – they're listening to dispatch – he has a gun on his hip, and he's slowly walking towards them. And there are three officers in the videos, and slowly walking, and they tell him to stop multiple times. And at one point, this student looks at them and says, shoot me. <laughs> when a police officer hears that in their mind, they're like, this student is going to do whatever they need to do to get me to shoot them. So in other words, either I have to put my life at risk to detain this individual to keep them from hurting me so that I'll hurt them or, you know, I just shoot them because they are a threat to this community. So what happened was the officer shot this student and the student later died. Uh, I want to say that it happened on a Saturday the shooting did, and then he died on Sunday night in a Atlanta, Georgia hospital. And the whole community just exploded because guess what the student also was? He was a member of the LGBTQ community, and he was the president of an organization called the Pride Alliance Police. So what does this mean? This means that people came out of the woodworks to protest police brutality against the LGBTQ community. Whenever the Georgia Bureau of Investigation came out and said that they found three different suicide notes that the student had wrote prior to this entire thing. And two years ago, he tried to commit suicide by hanging himself. I mean, suicide is horrible, and I feel bad for the family and the friends of this victim and the community because clearly there were things going on mentally. However, it was suicide by police. 
it was, I mean, if my best friend committed suicide, I would be told that it wasn't my fault that I didn't keep her from committing suicide. So it's just interesting that since the police are the ones who pulled the trigger and they didn't have a taser, so they did what they needed to do to protect the community because they didn't know what mental state this individual was in, all the blame is being put on them whenever they were just doing their job. And I just gets me angry like no other. And then people came out of the woodwork for an argument to say that no campus police, the lawyer, the 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 prosec the lawyer for this family prosecuting the police department came out and said that campus police officers shouldn't be allowed to carry guns whatsoever. And I was like, homeboy, if that officer cannot carry a weapon, I'm carrying a weapon illegally. Uh ex- excuse me, there will be a weapon on campus by some good guys. And if that good guy has to be me, then guess what? It's going to be me. I don't understand why, for some reason, there's this mentality of if we get guns away from the good guys, it'll help, like, the bad. I just don't, I just, there's like a disconnect. There's a disconnect. Absolutely. there's a person behind the gun. It's right. not the gun that does the killing. It's the so. And that's by the way, Lexi, and I'm glad you brought that case. That's one case with multiple aspects and facets to it. You know, the uh, suicide by cop, the the gun issue, um, yeah, all of this. It, it, and 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 yeah. really quick, I do want to comment because I see because I actually have the chat open this time around. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I will say, I just, sometimes I like to glance over in case I get a fact wrong that I can be like, oh, just kidding. But the reason, just quickly, I just want to comment on this one thing. The reason that the officer didn't shoot him in the leg, because uh, I'm dating a police officer, so I am biased in this. Sorry, biased. But the reason that the police officer didn't shoot him in the leg is because you're not, you, whenever you shoot, you shoot to kill. You shoot with a purpose. And also, whenever, if you were to shoot him in the leg, um, that bullet could easily ricochet and it could end up hurting someone else. Right. So there's a reason that he shot him in the heart. He was following his training. And when you pull out that gun, that is a last minute, like, you feel like either your life or those around you, their life is threatened. So there is another argument that, like, well, he should have just shot him in the foot or the leg. That no, such, that's such a wrong argument. That, that's such a... I don't know, if we, Lexi. Is is that just too much television, or what, or, or just ignorance? Because, mm-hmm. it, yeah, you, you don't shoot the wound; you shoot center mass, and, and you shoot very decisively because of the threat. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely from movies and television. Who, you know, they make it look like, well, whenever the bullet goes in, it's in to a leg, and it's just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> the bigger, like, a leg isn't big enough to contain the bullet like you it's science people just mm-hmm. look it up it's science i'm pretty sure that they did like that myth science like oh, mythbusters yeah. and they yeah. were just like this is why you can't shoot in the leg and then it kind of showed it so there's a whole science behind it <laughs> there, there actually is and and um yeah in law enforcement training uh actually years decades of of experience and and the 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 accumulative training for law enforcement, whether federal, state, or local, it's all the same. You, you shoot to kill. You don't pull your gun out unless unless there's a, a definite threat, and then you shoot to kill, and um, or you shoot you shoot decisively center mass, and um, until the threat's neutralized. 
But do, yeah, I mean, but, but the LGBT component to that as well should tell, in my view, should tell people, unless I'm wrong, of the mental. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but LGBT issues and mental illness kind of. Oh, I don't want to say this. They, they, they kind of go hand in hand at some point, don't they? Uh, a lot of cases do. Okay. Uh, there are quite a, there, that's also, that's, there are, there, there are numbers on that. So there, there, there are statistics that show that there is, that there, that quite a few, a good portion of the members of the LGBTQ plus community do have mental illnesses just because of the horrible remarks they receive, just the shunning, like families just shun them out. And, you know, whether I personally agree with the LGBTQ plus community or not, that's one thing. Meanwhile, I would never say something hateful to to someone of this community. I wouldn't say anything hateful to anyone for no reason whatsoever, you know, just based on their sexuality. Like, why would you... I wouldn't say something racist to someone and I wouldn't say something homophobic and I wouldn't say something Islamophobic to someone. But for some reason, quite a few members of this community do have mental illness, uh, illnesses just because of the culture isolation, uh, from this community. So it definitely quite a few members of this community do deal with this illness. So, uh, I do think that Instead of targeting the police in this situation, the community needs to be focused on helping other members of their own community who might be going through something very similar. I mentioned this in the video on Facebook. I don't understand why the community is targeting their hatred and their grief towards a group of people who were just doing their job because they didn't have tasers and it wasn't in their protocol, so their only option was a gun and the taser argument is for a different time. Why are you targeting your grief towards a group of people who literally put their lives on the line to protect you, and that's what they were trying to do in this situation? Why are you not bringing that grief back into your own community and trying to help those who might be going through something similar so that something like this doesn't happen ever again? You've got a lot of compassion. You really do. <laughs> and, and and that's a, and I say that complimentary, um, which is good. I mean, it's it's... As for me, I just, you know, I look at the issues and I think, well, it kind of goes to your pinned tweet. And by the way, folks, our guest, uh, Lexi Bess, at Lexi Bess, or your, your pinned tweet about, uh, transitioning, which, uh, you, you pinned back in August saying that you've been talking about, uh, you know, this issue forever where the American College of Pediatrics reaches a decision, transgenderism. It's about trans, transgenderism. And, and I think, I think it's pretty interesting. You know, cause, cause you're in the forefront of this. And, uh, this kind of applies somewhat, but this is child abuse, but it carries on to older ages, I believe. I think, where am I wrong? I mean, oh, no, 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 you're, you're right. Now, what, for me personally, I'll never say something hateful to anyone based off of their beliefs, their color, their skin, whatever. But whenever it comes to children, whenever it comes to a minor, someone who's under the age of 18, why are we letting them transition? Why are parents letting them transition? They, like I just said earlier, their frontal lobe is nowhere near developed. Their com, their, they aren't, their brains aren't developed to make rational decisions. They're considered minors and under your care for a reason because you've been around longer. Hopefully in some cases, you know, teenage pregnancy, it's another conversation, but hopefully you've been around long enough so that you can help them make, so you can make rational decisions 
for them, rational decisions for them. Now, you allowing your child to transition, you sterilized them upon completion. You allowed them to make a life-altering decision before they had enough life experience to make a life-altering decision. I don't blame the children for that. I blame the parents. Now, once they turn 18, shoot, you go let them do whatever they want. Ah, You go for it. But whenever they are under your care, you allowing them to transition is child abuse. You literally sterilized your own child. And, and, you know, an argument can be made once they reach 18. You really, um, you've got little control over, over what they do in a legal sense. And even if they emancipate early, that's even a problem, and we're seeing that happen a lot today. But, uh, but Lexi, you've you've kind of taken us right to the top of the hour. Almost, we've got uh, we're almost at the end of uh, our time together. Anything else on your heart, on your mind that you'd like to? Uh, and you've done so well after a grueling Monday of of class. Um, but from your from your point, any anything else that you'd like to to mention in the final couple of minutes we've got? Oh man, so I guess the big thing I uh, that's on my heart right now is to not lose complete hope into don't lose complete hope with my generation they grew up and again it's the compassion coming out of me they can't they grew up in a time period where they were surrounded by social media and they were surrounded by twitter they were surrounded by people other viewpoints telling them the way that they should think and it it caused them to melt and it caused them to join the bandwagon on everyone on what everyone else was doing. And there are some of us out there who are going against the current and it can be really, really hard when you feel like you're alone because you're, you're assumed because you're a millennial that you think one way. So I guess, you know, in your communities and your families and your friends and, and, you know, however you want to apply this, just remember that there are some millennials who just don't, know any better that doesn't excuse their behavior some millennials do some really ridiculous unnecessary stupid stuff no, but some of it. us it, 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 it explains it, it doesn't excuse it yeah. but it explains it yeah yeah so it's just just keep that in mind remember i mean i grew up with twitter and facebook every day i deal with people in my own generation telling me that i'm a racist and i'm a homophobe and i'm and i'm an islamophobe and I'm sitting here telling you that I would never say something hateful to anyone based on their beliefs, the color of their skin, or who they choose to like or love. I believe in the separation of church and state, and I agree that, you know, that, you know, you can just marry whoever you want to marry because even though my religion doesn't bar it, that doesn't mean you could be an atheist and want to go do that. You do you. However, I do think that the government needs to defend the baker next door who doesn't want to make a cake for that wedding because it's against their religion. Separation of church and state. Don't tell them what they can and cannot bake. Don't tell them what they, who they can and cannot marry. Just step out of it. That is a double-edged so, sword, by the way. Yeah, 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 it really is. Yeah. So it, just remember that there are millennials who are going against the current and sometimes they just need that support. They just need that push because whenever I got that little bitty push, it just exploded. And then Lexi Vest was born and it's just really grown. So, um, well, you free. give me hope. You give us hope. Oh, you. you really do. And what's crazy is that women in my life, whether it be through my sorority and my classes, whatever, they've stepped out and they've said, because of you, I feel more comfortable stepping out and speaking my opinion. I agree with you. I back you and I feel more confident because I follow your platform and you give those a voice who feel too scared to voice their opinion. So, I mean, if you want to follow me on this crazy journey, feel free. Um, I know that the Hagmans always push my information out there. 
Uh, but just remember the millennials in your life and remember that they may too need that push. They may need to have their challenge. They, they may need their views challenge because they, they aren't getting it right now on social media, which is for these days, face to face confrontation isn't a thing anymore. So just remember that little Thanksgiving is coming up. So mm-hmm. you can just kind of nudge that one. That's the favorite time to bring it up. Very but well also, said. Don't scream it. Just have that calm, be the bigger person, calm conversation. And you know, you may change them. You never know. Very well said. Lexi Best, thank you so much. Again, after a challenging, hard Monday in the books, in the classroom, thank you so very much for your gift of time, a very, very gracious gift of time. Our, really our go-to, uh, millennial conservative right there on the front lines in, well, behind enemy lines uh, to some extent in the universities, uh, in, in, in the university in the United States. Thank you so much, Lexi. Really Thank you so much for having me. All right. It's a pleasure. Oh, it's it's our pleasure. You uh you you keep on keeping on. We'll be talking. All right. Folks, uh we're gonna be back. That was Lexi Best. What what a great lady. What a great lady. Great young lady. And and keep her in your prayers, as well as her boyfriend who's uh a police officer, you know. I gotta tell you, that's that's a you talk about a thankless job. Oh my goodness. We're gonna be right back. Network break three minutes. Stay where you're at. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. 
You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. of the Hagman Report. Doug Hagman um, filling in too. Uh, Joe had to leave because of a broken pipe, but that's another story. But um, Our guest this hour, William Ramsey. William Ramsey, Investigates.com. You know, y- y- what we're seeing today, everything that we're seeing uh, play out, you can, in fact, I would urge everyone to watch uh, 9-11 and the New World Order. This was a production and directed by actually two documentaries, nine one one and the New World Order. Uh, two documentaries by William Ramsey. William Ramsey Investigates dot com. He's also the author of Prophet of Evil, Alistair Crowley, Nine Eleven and the New World Order, Abomination, Devil Worship, and Deception in the West Memphis Three Murders. Now he was on not too long ago talking about the West Memphis, West Memphis Three Murders. And i got to tell you something. It is amazing to me to see the overlap and the relevance. And Mr. Ramsey is going to bring this to the forefront. The, everything that we're seeing, we have seen, whether it is a, a sports figure taking a knee during the National Anthem, it's the spirit behind that that the media is not paying attention to. It's the, again, that shiny trinket that captivates everyone's attention. But it's, as again, as Greg Jackson says, it's an inch deep and a mile wide coverage, but the depth is not there. So uh, coming up, William Ramsey, he's an attorney, author, and researcher. He's a graduate of the University of California. Now, I'm not going to read all of his bio because it would take too long. He's got a degree in history. Mr. Ramsey also has a Juris Doctorate and is a member of the State Bar of California. He's written Prophet of Evil, as I mentioned earlier, and a number of other publications, produced, directed other documentaries. This man knows of which he speaks. I follow his work, and uh, uh, I, I've got to tell you, he knows he knows what he's talking about, especially when we last spoke about the West Memphis Three murders, Mr. Ramsey. Thanks so much for coming. Oh, and by the way, I want to thank Global Star Radio Network for for uh, carrying our program as well as BTR YouTube Live. But Global Star, thank you so much for interfacing this interview, Mr. Ramsey. Welcome to the Hagman Report, sir. Welcome back, Doug. Thank you, Doug. Thank you very much for having me back. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's great to have you. Now, 
in light of everything, since you've been, you you last were with us uh, some time ago, and we we spoke about the West Memphis Three murders, but in light of everything, um, and, and I get I always get emails by people saying you shouldn't ask that question. My goodness, it seems you seem like you're so unprepared. But my goodness, we've got everything popping everywhere. I I need to ask you, where do you want to start um, in this conversation? Well, I just think that bringing up the West Memphis Three is still a current event. I think it goes into satanic practices, ritual murder in the modern era, and how Hollywood and the mass media can ignore or cover up very important events in American cultural history. You, okay, all right. Well, let's let's refresh. Now, now, those people can go back and listen to Mr. Ramsey from his last appearance. But let, let's let's start out with the West Memphis Three. Give our listeners and viewers a primer of that case, uh, no because I, I I found it very fascinating. By the way, but in May on May fifth, yeah, thanks. In May fifth, nineteen ninety three, three young boys were found were went missing in the city of West Memphis, Arkansas. It's just east of the Mississippi River, across the Mississippi River from Memphis, Tennessee. So it's actually kind of a suburb of Memphis. Um, they disappeared. There was a, a long search for them. They were found the next day in a kind of a ditch, a drainage ditch. Two of the boy, well, <clears throat> there were some pretty horrific injuries on them, but they were bound in a strange way from their uh, ankles to their wrists. And later... Uh, investigations and autopsy indicated that two of the boys were drowned. They actually were alive before they were thrown in the water. So it was a pretty brutal uh, scene. And about a month later, three young men, local men uh, who lived in that area, West Memphis, were arrested. It was Damian Eccles, Jason Baldwin, and Jesse Miss Kelly. And they were brought to trial, and uh, they were found guilty in the following year, in 1994. All three, there were actually two separate juries, uh, one one trial for Jesse Miss Kelly and another trial for Baldwin and Eccles. They were um, found guilty. Damian Eccles was given a death sentence. He was over 18. Uh, the other two were given uh, pretty long sentences. And that case, um, locally at that time, there, it was believed to be a ritual-type murder. And uh, there, there were all kinds of trappings of ritual type things involved, especially with Damien Eccles, who, uh, on the stand during his trial, was asked about Aleister Crowley. What do you know about Aleister Crowley? And uh, he responded with kind of a, a sentence that said he believed that Aleister Crowley thought of himself as a god. And that really was what piqued my interest in the case was Aleister Crowley. My first book, Prophet of Evil, was about Crowley. Um, so that's why I looked into the case. The case took on kind of strange turns. There was an HBO documentary. It was called Paradise Lost, and that came out in uh, 1996. And then there were two following ones, so there was a trilogy of, of documentaries put out by HBO. And the first one kind of made uh, pretty much the point that, and it made it look like Eccles and Baldwin were, and Miss Kelly were guilty, but the second and the third, the second one kind of put, put the uh, onus upon a stepfather, uh, a guy by the name of Byers, and the third one made another uh, another stepfather by the name of Terry Hobbs kind of looked guilty. So this kind of changed public perception and public perception, to perception towards the innocence of Damien Eccles, and it became a cause celeb. It became something where celebrities got involved, and that was one of the astonishing aspects of the case that so many well-known figures uh, came out publicly and sided with Damien Eccles, Jason Baldwin, and Jesse Miss Kelly. And some of them were Johnny Depp, everybody knows him, Natalie Maines of the Dixie Chicks, Eddie Vedder, Margaret Cho, uh, supposedly a comedian, Henry Rollins. 
So all these figures kind of came out and publicized and raised money. And there was a tremendous amount of money that was raised. It was estimated to be around 10 to $20 million. And <clears throat> as this kind of sympathy for these, these convicted murderers grew, um, they were able to raise this money and obtain some of the best attorneys in the uh, United States, a really excellent appellate attorney by the name of Dennis Reardon, um, and also uh, ob obtain the, the services of a public relations firm out of New York, a guy by the name of um, Lonnie Sowry, S-O-U-R-Y. So they had this public relations that actually kind of snowballed with this innocent stuff, and it led to, uh, through some kind of legal maneuvers, to their release, to the release of these three. They actually pled guilty again in August of 2011. And they were let out of jail, and, then the, and the, the public perception was they were innocent, that there wasn't any Satanism involved. It was part of this, quote, satanic panic movement where the satanic acts really aren't occurring. Um, so that was kind of the way that it was By the way, uh, this is, if, if I can say this, this is where you shine in this. I mean, I believe. But go ahead. I, I didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought. No, but no, I just, no worries. No, no problem. Ahead. So they got out. Um, they, they, uh, there was, they all kind of separated. Damien Eccles went to Salem. Um, in Massachusetts, the place of the witch trials, which was a strange choice, but he felt he publicly stated that he moved there because he could sympathize with the witch hunts of the Salem witch trials, which is an interesting thing, assuming that he wasn't. I mean, that's kind of like assuming you are a witch, I guess. But he ended up in Salem. Uh, uh, Jason Baldwin ended up on the West Coast, and Jesse Miss Kelly stayed somewhere around the environs of, of West Memphis. But they've all professed and publicly stated that they're innocent. And um, my interest in the case was I was able to kind of go back through all of the, the documents from the trials and all the police reports and everything that's compiled at Her uh, Callahan 8K. So I was able to read all of the court transcripts. And through the transcripts, it's an incredible difference than what the, the PR and public statements about these guys' innocence. There's all types of references to Satanism and occultism, Aleister Crowley. There is a 500-page exhibit detailing the psych records of Damien Eccles. And so um, the, the tide has kind of changed. There's a lot of people interested in the case, but you know that's kind of the general background. Damien Eccles has decided to tattoo his whole body with Enochian magical symbols and sigils and alphabet from the witch's alphabet called the Theban alphabet. He has a huge black sun on his back, which is kind of ties back to Nazi iconography. And even before the Nazis, but uh, he's actually turning his and he's actually a practicing ceremonial magician. He's actually giving classes and traveling around the United States to main cities in Chicago, New York, and giving classes for I think I don't know what he's charging two hundred dollars a pop or something. So he's still actively involved in magic and right. He's actually has stated he's starting a Kickstarter to create a magical encyclopedia, and he stated publicly he wanted to be the greatest magician that ever lived. So he has a kind of occult ambitions. But what really um, happened recently, within the last month, was there was a guy in Arkansas, his name is Robert Horn, and he was basically a uh, storage unit buyer. He was one of these kind of storage locker guys, and he came across one storage unit. He didn't really know anything about the West Memphis Three, but what he discovered is that this storage unit belonged to Damien Eccles and his wife, Lori Davison, and had all of those, these materials, personal legal documents, journals, pictures and tons of occult books. And after he purchased that and that became public, another guy came to him a couple weeks later and said, I have another storage unit of theirs. And Tom uh, Robert Horn purchased that storage unit, so he had two total storage units 
And he said he had upwards of 2,500 books, occult books mostly, a lot of stuff by Crowley, stuff about moon magic, things that he didn't really understand. But the documents were incredible because there's an admission in a journal by Damien Eccles that he says that he is not a, he's not the worshiper of the devil, that he is the devil, capital D. And it's a remarkable statement because it flies in the face of all of this public talk saying that occultism was not involved in these cases. And also the presence of all of that, this kind of encyclopedia of, of occult books also shows his interest is not as a mere dabbler, but as somebody who is a devoted student of the kind of dark arts. So uh, it was actually publicly, wow. it was put out in Arkansas, this case, uh, Robert Horn was interviewed, and uh, it's really remarkable. Just And he started selling these these books on eBay and things like that, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's, and there's fetish material in the dock, in the plate, in the, the storage locker too, so it got kind of creepy. And, and, you know, as I, anytime you look at things, for example, like Pizzagate, which, which is, I believe is, is the most improperly named scandal criminal activity out there. But when you start looking at this and you see the, the satanic overlap, um, potential, and I would assert actual, especially given the content of some of the images and, and some of the the, um, the, uh, the relationships. But when you look at this, yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, and, and then you, you kind of back up and, and you look at the uh, the crime, the West Memphis Three murders. You're as a lawyer, as someone experienced in the field, are we not seeing the same template, the, the same? Um, or similar template playing out here. Yeah, in, I do. I do. Yes. And as okay. far as public relations and how the media is handling it, definitely. Yeah. Okay. It's just, and I find this, and against the um, the satanic panic, which uh, I just found extremely disingenuous. The more I researched that in my investigative capacity, the more I found that, man, there were so many... It was difficult to tell the good guys from the bad as you got into all of that um, and the lies from the truth. I mean, it was deliberately muddled. All of this was muddled, and it even extends through today. So, But, but this kind of gives us a great foundation from your last appearance and a foundation for uh, basically everything we're seeing today. And now, now you, you you wrote a book specifically about this, correct? Uh, correct. Or, it's uh, abomination, devil worship, correct. and deception in the West okay. Memphis Three Murders. So I I tried to show that there was both outright lying about the case and occultism or devil worship involved there. Okay. All right. And and I, I asked that, of course. Uh, uh, sheepishly, knowing, of course, I've got, I've got the, I've got the copy, copy of the book right here in front of me, Abomination. Um, I, I would urge people to to read that book for the backdrop of what we're seeing. So, so let's take this uh, again. T- take it wherever the natural course of events that you see taking place or have taken place. Take it now to the next step and, and wherever you want. You've got free reign to direct this because I would look at this of you being in a, in a courtroom and giving us a presentation. So, um, well, and, and we're the jury, but go ahead, sir. Well, I would say that this is a smaller, the, the West Memphis Three case is a smaller example of a broader social movement that's taking place, which is really the rise of occultism and the inability or un 
disinterest of the media of actually properly dealing with it. And we kind of saw the same thing. It goes back to, you know, the McMartin trial where the uh, Ray Bucky actually had cruelly like hoods and stuff like that, which was totally ignored, which he admitted in trial that he wore um, all kinds of magical implements. So you kind of see the same thing in this case, Pizzagate, which the mass media didn't even touch, um, which, you know, I can prove there's tons of occultism involved in that comic ping pong environment and all those people. And some people have speculated that comic ping pong, that building was an occult center. Um, that it wasn't just that that pizza place was just a front for all kinds of occult activities, and I've seen things that justify that. You know, this uh, the to, to, to what extent do you want to talk about that? Because I, I'm willing to to go there if you are, well, because I think that's still relevant. I do too. I absolutely think it's still relevant. I think it's very. I think that the cover up is telling is so telling. And it's very similar to this case where you wonder really what's going on. One of the weird tie-ins is that the, Damian Eccles' final attorney. Uh, Stephen Braga came out of D.C., which is very strange. Um, the fact that he he got an attorney all the way from the you know away from Arkansas, but the center of power in D.C. and there it ties into all these attorneys that are tied into uh, PizzaGate, which is weird. But I think PizzaGate is happening. There's all kinds of strange things happening in Portland as well. Um, so the, some of these civic centers definitely are going on, and I, we know for a fact that Damian Eccles was a member of the OTO Crowley's. Crowley headed the Ordo Templi Orientis uh, from 1925 till his death in 1947, and there's an OTO chapter in Arkansas that received some of Damien Eccles' books. They actually have a library at that chapter called the Damien Eccles Library. So, and he's probably was he was a member back then, confirmed member of the OTO. I'm not sure what his uh, connection is, but he's also been seen after he got out of jail in 2011. There's a picture of him with a really hardcore old-line occultist by the name of Genesis P. Orge, who is transforming his body into kind of a man-woman, where he's actually had surgeries. He's a really strange bird and uh, has been affiliated with Crowley and the Process Church of the Final Judgment. But there's seeing Damien Eccles with him is, shows these guys are, uh, you know... In, in cahoots, they're basically meeting each other, and there's they were actually in a movie together, Damien Eccles and uh, Genesis P. Orge. You can see this the clip from that movie at my YouTube channel, William Ramsey Investigates. But if you want to see network Satanism in front of your face, uh, you can see that. So, as far as PizzaGate's connection to the West Memphis Three, there there definitely is an MO connection where there's a massive cover up. You know, in my opinion. Yeah, and and I and I agree, and it's it's the the way that this whole um, the email uh, and how that developed, you know, with uh, Marina Abramovic, uh, her art, or I don't even want to call it art. I suppose it's ceremonial uh, occultist, ceremonial magic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the media's refusal to even go there or or to even investigate that, it, it, to me, is irresponsible, and it it uh, really. Uh, colors the well it, it affects the investigation itself and the principles involved in this too I believe and, and you know as an attorney and as someone who understands all of this uh, are, are we not seeing people essentially get away with getting away with murder and pedophilia and, and murder unproven of course but pedophilia and such I mean are, are, Sure no seems one's like it. Yeah. No one's chasing after these people. No one's, or I shouldn't say no one. There are people. There are groups. You know, um, Craig Sawyer, the Sawman, and and us, uh, our investigative team, and such. But very few are really willing to go. You know, go after these. Uh, 
I agree. Expose. I mean, I think it's it's pretty disturbing. Uh, I think that the fact that there's no investigation, I think that on the surface of what happened in those emails, which Hillary Clinton is going around in public saying that they're anodyne, uh, it's interesting that she's repeated that term about the, uh, the 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 emails that came out of WikiLeaks, the John Podesta email. She keeps repeating that they're anodyne, which is a strange term because it's a word that, at least for me, I don't I don't I'd have to look it up in the dictionary, but it's a word that means inoffensive. And when I read those emails, they were the opposite of inoffensive. They're extremely offensive with the with the uh, spirit cooking and all like that. But um, you see, that's it's part a, of the cover up. She's part of the cover up, in my opinion. Yeah, Hillary Clinton's yeah, a part. All her friends are involved. Yeah. And it's it's funny you mention that word because I heard that for the first time, uh, at least consciously for the first time, when I was watching when I was going through some Judicial Watch material of the emails, and I heard it was on a it was on a video, and I heard that uh, this past weekend, and I'm thinking I I had to look that up. Yeah, you know, I it up. Was, was it because she said it? Was it something that she had said publicly or in a written? Where did you find the word? I, I either it was on a YouTube. Uh, it was either in response to. I'm 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 I'm, I'm trying to think because I, I saw so much about this. It was either in a um, in a text of some. She was quoted in either on YouTube or, or text, um, and, and it was it was. I think it was right after the election. Or right after the release of the emails, but nonetheless, I, I thought, well, what, yeah, when I have to look up a word, um, not that I'm that intelligent, but I, you know, I got a pretty good grasp on the English language, and I just thought, man, that's where that's a come strange from? word, isn't it? Like, why did yeah. why didn't you just say inoffensive? Exactly, because it's like it's a skilled talking point that she had memorized and used. I'd seen it used by her in three different contexts, so she oh, clearly really? is repeating, yeah. So she's repeating it in different places about her book. I've been following her kind of crazed um, talks about how she lost the election and all these different things. And, and we're lucky she didn't become president. I got to tell you, it's not not no. not just because of the strange uh, bed key, you know, the friends she has, John Podesta at Al. But she's I don't think she's well. I mean, honest to God, I don't think she's well. No, I, I agree with you there in a number of ways. I mean, physically, I don't, I don't believe she's well. Obviously, we saw that on 9-11-2016, and then um, the subsequent to that, and, of course, the, that weird head bob thing with uh, yeah. she caused. That was incredible. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I'm not, seriously, I, I mean, I've been around. I mean, I, I, I'm a, I spent almost six decades of my life on the, on this planet. I've been involved in EMS I, for five years, I, you know, investigator for 30 I, I got to tell you, I've never seen anything like that. But then that's just me. Yeah. That's um, incredible. Yeah. So okay. And, and uh, now, one of the interesting things about her, if I can make another point, is she's trying oh, sure. to turn herself into a Christian now, which is remarkable. That that something that she didn't talk about prior to her loss was, you know, anything referring to the Christian religion. And now she's got um, some pastor who's calling her a great Christian. She's talking about Christian uh, references to certain people that go out into the media. Or the pastor, I think the guy that she had got just got busted for plagiarism, so he's probably a perfect cohort for her. But uh, I can't remember his name right now. But I think it's fascinating, and that's probably one of the reasons why she lost is the Christians keyed into the occultism that we can't let her in the in the White House. And uh, exactly. so I see see her change her stripes. I mean, try to change her stripes. It's uh, for me remarkable. Folks, we're talking with William Ramsey. And if you're watching this live via YouTube, his website up is is up WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. I would urge everyone to visit the site and follow his work as well as his book Abomination. Um, 
that about the West Memphis Three murders. A lot of information there. And, of course, he's an attorney, author, researcher, and, and such, graduate of the University of California, Berkeley, with a degree in history, knows of that of which he speaks. And very interesting. And this kind of, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this really overlaps with what Russ Dizdar does and talks about and what uh, Craig uh, Sawyer does and talks about to the extent of or that involves pedophilia and some of the child uh, exploitation um, and and of course the current uh, issues with the Hillary emails uh, we've got about two minutes at the bottom of the hour break uh, Attorney Ramsey do you believe uh, and I and I want to ask this question when I when I knew you were coming on today I, this question really I really had to get your take on this do you believe we're not seeing any movement on the email investigation of Hillary Clinton or, or to what extent do you believe that this topic has, if any at all, and, and feel free to say none, but uh, on the prosecution or at least the additional investigation into the email scandal criminal act, criminal activity, it, does this play a role in it, do you think? Occultism? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I well, definitely believe occultism. I can tell you for a fact I've seen occult symbols that are affiliated with some of the videos that were shot at Comic Ping Pong like a smiley yeah. face and things on the Instagram that uh, reference, uh, incre- you know, incredible. I mean, it, it's just amazing. Like, there are things that I understand that I don't think some of the researchers keyed into, but the smiley face symbols in some of those videos are remarkable, and some of the people, Father, what is it, Father John Pride or something like that, some other process-type name. But I definitely think yeah. the occult, and I definitely think um, there's a lot of blackmail involved. One of the interesting pictures uh, that I found during my my research is that Barney Frank is pals with Aliphantus and David Brock. And Aliphantus and David Brock, David Brock, for people who don't know, is the head of Media Matters, who was the chief arm of Hillary Clinton's propaganda strategy for her online presence. And Media Matters guys were paid to pretty much contradict any negative information that was on YouTube, on chat boards, or anything like that. But David Brock and David Aliphantus were friends who had after parties, which is also very sketchy and uh, incredible, which I found in my research, these after parties that take place after 2 a.m. And those are rumored to be where the blackmail takes place. But the fact that Barney Frank is friends with them, because Barney Frank and his boyfriend, and all these guys are homosexuals, but Barney Frank and his boyfriend are known to run a homosexual call ring out of, I think it was somewhere in Boston, and... When Barney Frank was almost prosecuted, he said, "You can't prosecute prosecute me because I can I can bring up all the people who've used the services." And he was never prosecuted, Ooh. and he's still a congressman. I think he's still in Congress. So um, I do think that there's a tie-in between uh, Frank, who was probably not spoken of in the context of Pizzagate or you know this whole Alphantis Brock thing, but I think it's an important aspect because these guys were partying together, all going to Rehoboth. You know, basically when you live in D.C and go to the beach, you go to Delaware, Rehoboth, these kind of beach cities. And they, there are these pictures of them cavorting, you know, pretty pretty smiling and happy, with, you know, Brock and Frank. Mm. So I think that the blackmail aspect of Pizzagate is largely, and those operations are probably part We're, of the reason why they're doing all that stuff, is to blackmail people and put them under their thumbs. You know, large, I think that, and, and, that's probably okay. a large aspect of it. 
All right. We're, we're going to pick this up on the other side of the network break, three minutes network break, Global Star Radio Network. I want to welcome all the listeners there. My goodness, people checking in from the U.K., uh, Australia, and many other places in between as well as Canada, all across the United States. Global Star, thank you so much. BTR, thank you, as well as YouTube Live. Give us three minutes. We're going to be back with our guest, William Ramsey. Incredible information. We'll pick it up on the other side. Three minutes. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Masterpreps.com, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from cooking utensils, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Train Close in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to AC major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Armies kit at www.changelessandwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. back to the Hagman Report. William Ramsey is our guest. WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com If you go to his Amazon page, he's got a number of books there. Um, of course, Children of the Beast, Alistair Crowley's Shadow Over Humanity. Uh, 
that uh, by William Ramsey, as well as Prophet of Evil, and uh, Aleister Crowley, 9-11, and the New World Order. And, of course, we, we were talking about the book Abomination, Devil Worship and Deception in the West Memphis Three Murders. Very interesting and extremely timely, especially today, and, of course, the visual study. But uh, one of the things that uh, I just find fascinating, and we're getting a lot of email questions saying, ask, ask him this, ask him that. Uh, a, a, a lot of interest, uh, Mr. Ramsey, about your your observations on the totality of evidence or uh, what we know, your, your observations with respect to Comet Ping Pong and, and how that was what was going on there now to the again to the extent that you feel that 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 comfortable or if you'd like to head in a different a completely different direction that's fine with me but a lot of people Whatever are interested like. in, I'm easy. well well you know um yeah and I am too so uh but but uh you know the again I I think from the beginning common ping pong the pizza gate thing was misrepresented and uh and I do believe being on infowars and talking with Alex Jones both in camera and in front of the camera and behind the camera uh you know it's kind of a minefield when you when you start talking about this legally and um and otherwise but uh what i guess to sum up the roughly page of questions i've got i'm looking at about that what should we know or what should what what can you tell us or what should the american public know about what is known as pizzagate Kind of like a uh, uh, summation to to a jury. What, what should we be told, and uh, what should we know? If if that's a fair question. Well, it's fair. I think that based upon the evidence and all the information that was surrounding these people, that there an investigation was merited by resources of the government. So I think that that's the most important thing. I think that there were all kinds of sketchy emails and relationships and uh, Instagram pictures that. I think in any other circumstance, if it was outside of D.C., something would have brought in either, you know, child protective services or some type of government agency to start asking questions. Who are these people? Who are these kids? You know, what is going on? What are these meetings? You know, and do some type of investigation. So I think that that, for me, is like the biggest problem with Pizzagate is that nothing happened. And then nothing. it kind of begs the question, why did nothing happen? And I think that, unfortunately, the... uh the legal system, in a way, is compromised by political resources and, and power players where things won't get prosecuted and things will get prosecuted based upon uh, individual connections and, and party politics. So I think that's unfortunate. And, and, it's all, and really, it's at that level of government to, or the, um, the people around government or inside the Beltway, uh, it's all about compromise. It's all about being compromised, either wittingly or, or unwittingly. Or um, I don't know how you would, any rational person would not believe they're not being surveilled or documented right. by by their actions. But well, it's here's another com- thing. There's another uh, something that's probably connected, or something Pizzagate, but also the Jeffrey Epstein case, where. Oh, yeah. You know, people are getting on planes, and there's all kinds of pedophilia. He's been busted for pedophilia. He got a slap on the hand. And that case is still going on. There's still a case involving Jelaine Maxwell, and she's a fascinating figure. And that's another person that I think investigators have not done a proper inquiry into because her dad was Robert Maxwell, a suspected Mossad asset who was killed by the Mossad for trying to, you know, strong-arm him. 
And it's fascinating that she's involved in an American case involving probable blackmail and pedophilia. So Jelaine Maxwell is a very important figure. And all the people in the U.K., people in the U.K. know Robert Maxwell, but people in the U.S. don't because he was a scoundrel, too. Very talented guy, but I think he went to jail for looting um, pension funds associated with a company there. He was kind of like a financial swindler. But uh, the fact that that's his daughter um, merits an investigation by anybody in journalism, which I haven't seen yet. So Jelaine Ma- Maxwell. Jelaine Maxwell. Okay. And funny name. G H I L S N E, I think. Okay. And, and, and for those of us not, not really up on this part of it, how does she fit in? Aside from being Robert's daughter, um, she well, fits she into was this. In heavily involved with, um, with, uh, with Epstein. So she was kind of his right hand man. She was suspected of being a handler for some of these young girls. And there's pictures of her with Trump. Um, and wow. but she's smiling in a lot of these background pictures. Jelaine Maxwell, yeah. All right, yeah. She, she, she's she's a British socialite, youngest child of Robert Maxwell, the publisher. Um, okay, I got it. I got it. She's but there are deeper things going on there. There and there's some good books about the death of Robert Maxwell and how he died on his boat in a very suspicious manner. Um, supposedly drowned off his like uh, his his yacht. So yeah, but it, it, that's really something wow. else. The, the connection to him is really something else. No, um, the, the, and I have to go back to the Clintons, given the number of, of, uh, Lolita flights, you know, on Epstein's plane. Right. Uh, both Hillary and Bill, uh, many would, might be surprised about Hillary. Uh, wow, okay. So, yeah, all of this. Yeah, go on. Yeah, it all, uh, it all rolls in. So compromise, pedophilia, underage kids with powerful people. You know, it's very, I mean, that was in the, the Lozado kids or whatever in the Podesta emails, you know? That sure. creepy hot tub email. So, yeah, it's 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 going from different angles. It's it's there in different angles, you know. So, so so we're not, and this is just to reassure people who who are looking at at this and who have fallen for the uh, the, the stuff by the mainstream media that we're we're you know seeing things that aren't there, you know, reading tea leaves. Uh, now this is, I mean, there is. Actionable in evidence or intelligence, in your view, within the emails that would strongly suggest uh, this uh, occult pedophilia, etc. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay, absolutely. Right. Yeah, right. I mean those spirit cooking and Marina Abramovich is really. I've heard that she has Crowley's um, hex, you know, cursal hexagram on some of the literature she hands out, and that's actually a tattoo on on Damien Eccles. I think it's on. Is one of his arms, you know. So um, the connections are there. Her and Lady Gaga, the whole yeah, weird that, eating that's the, the human cakes, you know. So you see, once you kind of see some of the occult traps, you can see them in other instances. Um, so you see kind of Crowley, and the Crowley is really probably the the number one black magician that involved all these strange, weird rituals, you know. And, and I would consider you um, one of the foremost experts on on Crowley. I, I don't know. Is that okay? I mean, would you agree with that? Because I, I, you've you've done would, so much research. Yeah. yeah, I'm close to being an expert. There's a couple okay. things I need to see, but I've actually gone through some of the private um, specialty collections at UCLA, UC Berkeley. I was in um, uh, Austin has a, a repository of a lot of Crowley materials, so I've definitely taken time out to see documents and artifacts of Crowleys that you know the public doesn't have. Granted, they're private collections like Jimmy Page's 
that are massive uh, repositories of Crowley's robes, books, etc. Jimmy Page, interesting character as well. But uh, I've got I've got uh, two different emails. One from the UK, where uh, Robert is listening live from the UK. Uh, no, not the ghost of Robert Maxwell, but uh, Robert from the UK and also Sandy from uh, Kansas, both asking about the image, asking me to ask you about the image of John Podesta. The two hands up, the crooked fingers, and the obvious right. scarring, along with the images on his palms. Uh, so I figured I'd, I'd let me just bounce that question off you. What's what's that? Well, about? that third, uh, yeah, there are rituals that Marino Abramovich asks people where you cut your hand and let it bleed, and you feel the pain. And it sure looks to me like um, John Podesta is doing something like that, where he's cut his fingers over and over again, and it right. explains how strange and weird his hands look, and. Um, there's actually an email in the John Podesta emails that may indicate, and I can't confirm this, but that John Podesta is into heavy, heavy-duty black magic. There was an email about him being in a dungeon on February 29th. I can't remember the day, but that was the second moon in the month of February. It's a very rare occurrence. And a lot of these black magicians believe that the lunar cycles um, have an effect upon certain rituals and power that's associated with it. They believe in this thing, moon magic. I can't say I've researched about that much, but the fact that John Podesta said he was in that, where there was like a, I can't remember, they call it a pink moon or something like that. It's a special color moon when it's the second moon of the month. And that would indicate that Podesta is no dabbler, that he's a heavy-duty occultist. But we, uh, which, we, we, Okay, now, given his... I have to go back pro- and look at that one, yeah. Okay. And and that's fair enough. Now, now given his I proximity, can't prove that. you cannot prove I, that. I, I can prove that that email exists. That that right. email was sent. He said I was in the dungeon, and the date was the date of the second moon of the month of February, which is a like super powerful day to occultists. Uh, yeah, and I re- I recall talking with uh, Russ Dizdar about that as well, um, but not in the context of Podesta. However, that's interesting. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and, and look. Uh, okay, that that's very interesting. Yeah, now, yeah, but also now, the stuff on his hands, the symbols. I've heard it explained the fish and the thirteen yeah. as the oceans, and that he's doing something for you know some type of uh, you know he's a humanitarian type of guy. But I, I've also heard it re- referenced as some Egyptian a representation of an Egyptian god too, or Horus, because Horus had thirteen parts, or he was cut into thirteen, if I remember correctly. So right, right, it was very, I, I very interesting. Yeah. Now, now uh, uh, many people may ask, well, gee, Mr. Ramsey, how does this apply to what we're seeing play out all across the world today, or even within government today, or however you want to frame it? it all of this it, it is applicable, especially given the level of compromise, the level of, uh, you know, the, it's like Hotel California. You can, you can uh, check out, but you can never leave. And, and that's kind of what we're seeing, right? Absolutely. And I think that it's part of like the occultist master plan. They know each other. Like I've seen, have you seen the picture of Podesta with Lavenda, the author yeah, oh, of the Necronomicon? Oh. That's you a know, remarkable we... picture. Yeah. They're both smiling. But Lavenda, I mean, I don't want to, I mean, we're getting off track, but Lavenda, I mean, he wrote the Necronomicon, probably one of the most. But he denies that. But he, he, well, he, he, he came on. He, he, yeah, he was okay. on coast to coast as Simon, same voice. So he, okay. there is, there's, there is, he actually copyrighted it through the copyright office, which you don't need to do when you write a book. You actually, copyright law protects 
you right away upon publication, but you can do a belt and suspenders uh, action and actually register your book with the with the copyright office, and he registered it under his name as Simon. So that document really, is there. yeah. Well, okay. Say. No, well, thank thank you for letting me know that because we we've had Peter Lavenda on as a guest in his research in the uh, Nazi occult, the, the trilogy right. he wrote. Know, yeah, yeah. Well, he's I mean he's done some interesting research. Granted, it's from his perspective, but um, have you? Did you know he worked at the Magical Child Book, uh, occult bookstore in New York with, with no. creepy Herman Slater? Yeah. Yeah. So he worked at the Magical Child. One of the interesting things that blew me away about Lavenda was, uh, in my book, Children of the Beast, I wrote about one of Crowley's disciples or acolytes or, or followers, a guy by the name of McMurtry, who was expected to be the follower of Crowley. There were many assumed followers, but McMurtry was around in the United States. And uh, he met with Lavenda. There was a party somewhere in New York with all these kind of interesting characters. The guy who wrote the X Men books, and there's McMurtry with Lavenda. So it was pretty fascinating. Man, and can, can I come visit you for a week? Can, can yeah, I come can, and sit by your knee for a week, or you know, my, at it's your feet for a week? McMurtry sat at the foot of Crowley in Hastings as Crowley was doing tons of heroin and dying, and he was really one of the people that Crowley kind of uh, was going to pass on his materials to. My word. Okay. Wow, th this is fascinating. And, and I want to thank you for this information. We only have a few minutes left here, but this has been so fascinating. Um, uh, what, what's, uh, Mr. Ramsey, what's on your heart, your mind, the, anything that we haven't covered that I think or that you think that our audience should be aware of or that you just simply want to tell? Yeah, I, we talked last time when we talked in March, I talked about the death of. A young man that was in Pittsburgh. His name was Dakota James. He was uh, found in the water 40 days later. I've been researching these cases known as the Smiley Face Killings. My documentary will be out in early October, and it's about oh. this this the string of killings of young men uh, that's associated with the Smiley Face symbol. And uh, so I would just uh, let you, especially in the UK uh, and the US, let your if you fit if you look at some of the victims' pictures and you look like those people, be very uh, self-aware when you're out at night drinking drinks, don't get your drink drugged and stay with your friends. Even if you're uh, not a woman, if you're a man, you are in a, a victim pool and you could be a victim. So I, I definitely would uh, strongly caution your listeners to be aware, be very aware. So. Uh, all right. And that's the Smiley Face Killings, a documentary coming out next month, right? Yeah, Just to be exactly. clear. Okay. Yeah. Because... Yeah. I, Man, I, I okay. We we've got to really promote the heck out of this because I, I want to see your research product. Uh, um, uh, how can people best yeah, get it? It's pretty scary. I mean, it's really amazing. And actually, there the smiley face was actually at the intro to this new movie, it the Stephen King movie. They actually included that symbol right within the first uh, the first minute of that popular Stephen King movie, it. And they're kind of covering this smiley face cult in American Horror Story season seven. Um, they're crying, they're actually invest. They're looking at it. I haven't watched all the thing, but um, apparently it's it's very similar to the stuff I'm investigating. Now, now for people to uh, grab a hold of that copy of your documentary, how do it'll people be a, a, only digital, and it'll be available on Amazon. So it'll be on Amazon Direct. It's called Amazon Direct. So you'll be able to watch it. And I'll put out a, uh, I think probably in October I'll put out a CD version, but I think I'll put it out at a reasonable price, probably three ninety nine. It's very long. It's three and a half hours. It explains things in great detail. 
And I think my conclusions, people will be pretty surprised. Well, I'll tell you something. I'm going to be if there was if there's a line forming, I want to be first because. <laughs> I, I really I need that information. I, I I really need the information. Your research findings, which I think are second to none, given the um, especially especially what you just told me today uh, during this interview about the people we've interviewed in the past. And uh, wow, okay, this and the smiley face killings, my neck of the woods, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, the yeah, Allegheny absolutely. County. There were a couple, so. uh, a number of cases there, but the more recent ones. But there were a lot of Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania cases, actually. Right. There were a lot of right. Philadelphia, a lot in Pittsburgh. but uh, And in Man. that general vicinity, a lot of Pennsylvania cases. This is incredible. I, I want to thank you for your time. We're, we're about uh, we're about out of time. So I want to thank you for your time. And and please come back. When when that video is okay. released, I'm going to grab a hold of it, and uh, we're just going to market the heck out of it because I think people be really great. need to know what's going on. I appreciate I really it. Do. Yeah, that would be great. I really would appreciate it. Thank you. Counselor, thank you so very much. William Ramsey Investigates dot com uh, is the website. William Ramsey Investigates dot com is going to be linked off our program description, sir. Thank you. Until next time. No, thank God you very bless. much. I appreciate it. Yeah. God bless. All right. Thank you. Stay safe, folks. Uh, that, what an incredible, what an incredible exp- expose. You know, you out there, the listeners, the viewers, you think, well, maybe we. Fr- what happened to Pizzagate? Oh, that's fake news, right? No. Perhaps improperly characterized and and named, you know, Pizzagate, um, but it's not. And I will tell you this: we now let me let me explain something to you. We, the Hagman Report, are paying a price to investigate this. Now, this is not. I, I'm not saying this for any other reason than to let others in the alternative or honest media know that when you start poking at this bear. And you start doing what Mr. Ramsey does. And you start doing what we do. There's a price to be paid. Now, I'm not talking about just looking into the abyss and having the abyss look back and envelop you. Although that does happen. You don't want to be staring down there too long, let me tell you. However, on a legal, in a legal sense, you're putting your tush on the line. And I could tell you I could tell you one of the last papers, last filings on the on the on the legal suit that in which Steve Quayle and I find ourselves defendants on multi million dollar legal suit. Two words appeared on that page that just jumped out at me. Three words actually: Pizzagate and fake news. Why do I say that? Again, you start poking at this bear, and you start talking about this kind of thing, you're drawing a target on your back. But if not us, who? If we don't do this, if we don't address this, who will? And and for as much as one can say, well, this really isn't important, I believe it's extremely important as we look back and we look at the evolution of evil. And, and this is what we're talking about, isn't it? Evil, pure evil. Aleister Crowley evil. And you heard what Mr. Ramsey said about it. Uh, 
Don't get me started about clowns. How many people have, you know, me, clowns? Enough said there, right? Stephen, Stephen King, clowns, it, smiley face, enough said. But all of this, the spirit cooking, the occult elite, the drivers of action, and it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what I believe. The driver, belief is their driver of action. Just as I started out the program with, you know, um, it's, it's, I started out the program talking about the take a knee, the in defiance of President Donald Trump. People will look at that and say, this is what it symbolizes. This is what it means. Wait a second. Think deeper. Go a little bit deeper. Because what we're seeing there is, the, in my view anyway, in, in my analysis, based on my research, is not what you think it is. It goes much deeper. And as I had mentioned in the first segment, Charles Sasser writes about it. David Capellian has written about it. William Murray has written about it. All at the WND Superstore. Crushing the Collective. The Snapping of the American Mind. Utopian Road to Hell. Those titles. This says it all. And now, you overlay the occult. And yes, you know, there will be conservatives out there. Mouthy Christian conservatives, snippy, saying, you know, Doug Hagman is just a, he's an idiot. He's looking for Sasquatch. It's ridiculous. But that's done to discredit. But you overlay the William Ramsey publications, such as Abomination, such as Children of the Beast. And now suddenly things start to kind of come in perspective. The focus is just a little bit more fine-tuned. And that's where I'd like to direct everyone's attention, because at this... Look. At the end of the day, right now, at the end of the day... Where we're at today, what is driving everything? It's not pure emotion, although there is that. And it's not the advent and facilitation and ease of use of social networking and devices, although there is that. And it's not the unpopularity, the politics as usual of Donald Trump as a whiplash from the cultural cancer, the moral cancer of Barack Obama. Although there is that. It's everything. It's the collection of it all. And at the end of that is evil. It's not, there's nothing else. You cannot, you cannot, you you can't hide it. It's evil. And it's, I find it very interesting that many people cannot recognize, are not recognizing. They're seeing the symptoms. They're seeing the lesions on the body, but they're not recognizing what's causing those lesions. They're not recognizing what is really pushing this. And that's pure evil. And I think a lot can be said, and a lot has been said, about evil in today's society. But not much has been done about it. 
and many people will back away from it. Many people will back away from from um, topics like Pizzagate. And I, I want to clarify one thing. Uh, when uh, Mr. Ramsey was talking, <coughs> you, you know, many will say that Alex Jones backed away from Pizzagate. He did not. He did not do that. And he was taken out of context. And it was more um, the mis- Pizzagate being misdefined. Now, I'm not... I'm not speaking on behalf of Alex Jones. I am saying I am I support him in his in in how he did that. But it it's like me. Sometimes I'm not as articulate a lot of times. Most of the time I'm not as articulate as I should be. But that's what that was all about. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that you're backing away from it. It means that you you've got to redefine the essence of the investigation and that's what he has done and that's what he did and I give him a lot of credit for doing so and for pressing forward with that because the the evil occult elite if you look at the occult elite Pizzagate, Pedigate, Aleister Crowley uh, the Epstein uh, Lolita Express, the Clintons the beliefs of Hillary Clinton remember the yoga comments think about the yoga comments too the eastern mysticism and you know that communism, what's the religion of communism? And many people will say, well, it's atheism, because communism is without God. I would stipulate that that's not correct. The God of communism is really, in my view, the devil himself. And I think that, uh, I think we have to really understand that. And we don't have time, I don't have time to get, to finish that, that whole dissertation on that, but it would be good to to definitely get a hold of Abomination uh, by William Ramsey and, of course, Children of the Beast, a very enlightening book um, by William Ramsey. And we're going to have him back on when he uh, when he releases the uh, Smiley Face Killings documentary. That's going to be a fascinating, and I mean a fascinating subject in my backyard. As a matter of fact, we're going to have uh, Russ Dizder on talking about it as well. Tomorrow, Stan Dale is going to be... Actually, tomorrow we have a schedule change. Stan Dale from 7 to 8, followed by Rabbi Jonathan Kahn from 8 to 10. Oh, we're going to hear from Jonathan Kahn, 8 to 10. So you're hearing it first now. Stan Dale was kind enough to switch the times. So he's going to be on the first hour tomorrow night, and Jonathan Kahn, hours 2 and 3. That's tomorrow on the Hagman Report, so tune in. And then, of course, my program, 9 to 10. And uh, Joe and John's from 2 to 3 tomorrow as well. And by the way, those people who, uh, the, the five books I'm, I, I sent out, the five books, you should be having, you should be getting those in a couple of days. Those were with Stan Dale last week. So let me know how you think. Let me know what you think of the, of, of the book itself, Stained by Blood, when you get it. Um, but uh, so, so if you don't have it now, you should have it the next day or two. That'll do it for me tonight uh, on the Hagman Report. Again, Joe was absent. Uh, actually, had to leave because of a broken pipe, but he'll be back uh, tomorrow unless he's floating. And um, uh, but, but it's also interesting to keep the people in Puerto Rico in your prayers. Lexi Best did a great job of outlining that situation and raising some questions, and I think we have to ask the same questions. What's, what's happening there? Three million people knocked back to the Stone Age, basically, by, by not one, but two, essentially two hurricanes. So, 
keep those people in your prayers and let's make sure we, we get something done there. And support Coach Dave Dobmeyer, Pastor Ministries, CoachDaveLive.com in his relief efforts down in Texas. Until tomorrow, stay safe. God bless. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. 